Controversial signs are popping up in Winchester about Muslim women that are causing confusion and outrage. But now the debate has been sparked here in Winchester. Are these free speech or hate speech? It says Islam is right about women. They read Islam is right about women. Several more found at the elementary and high schools and Unitarian Church. It's unclear who they target, women or Islam. Welcome to uh, the next edition of Docs News. To me, Elias, um, we have with us Dr. Shadi and special guest Tom. Assalamualaikum. Let's just get right to it. We have a couple of topics that we want to cover. We're going to start with this uh, thing that happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, someone in uh, Virginia posted signs up around the town that were like just basic white paper with basic black letters that says Islam is right about women. This is one of about a dozen signs found here in Winchester. People we talk to say they don't even know what it means. Sign itself is confusing. It's subject to interpretation. I really don't know because everybody has their own opinion and I respect it. Mm -hmm. Everybody's entitled to say whatever they want. Anita Davison says she spotted this flyer Wednesday morning on Main Street in Winchester Center. It says Islam is right about women. I tore the first one down and then when I saw a second one, I decided to bring it to the police department here. People in town say they think the signs are referring to strict laws applied to women. I think that um, putting signs up that make people feel uncomfortable is unfortunate, particularly in this time and age. I asked the cop, if you caught me, Posting a sign like that on one of these polls, would you arrest me? The officer said it's complicated. Technically, it's illegal to post signs like that, any signs on street polls, but it's hard to enforce. And because of freedom of speech and because that post wasn't threatening, it'd be similar to posting a photo of your missing cat. I assume it's negative. Not, that's not cool. <laughs> it's not a cool thing to do. It's just upsetting. I just didn't like it. It just wasn't necessary to be up and out in the streets. When she saw these signs in Winchester Center, she ripped them down, took them to police, and alerted social media. Islam is right about women. What? For women, the message is insulting and unnerving. I think it's disgusting. It's unsettling. It's a somewhat of a misconception that, like, Islam, I guess, hates women. It's either about women, it's either about Islam, it's about both. I'm not really sure what point they were trying to make, but either way, it was just, it was terrible. That kind of sign is very upsetting to anyone with either an Islamic background or for many women. The Winchester Multicultural Network also now aware, saying to whoever did it. I think it's short-sighted. I think it's unfortunate. I don't know that you've gained and anything that you wanted. So it's unclear if this was just a prank or if a law was broken. Police are still investigating. This is the most bizarre story I've ever heard. I mean, it's incredible because the reactions of people tell more about themselves, about them, and what they hide inside themselves and won't say. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the only person that sounded reasonable was one woman with an accent who said, you know, people have the right to say what they want and everybody's turned yeah. to their opinion. That was that the Muslim. That was the Niqabi. The Niqabi, yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> the only one that had a reasonable response to it. So Winchester's in Virginia. Yeah. For a second there, I thought I was, I was watching this thing and I wasn't like fully watching the video, but I was like, is this South Africa? Is this Australia? 
You know, they're like two people. Yeah, the the one woman had like a like an Australian accent, but I think multiple too. Just an immigrant. Like two, three different ones. I think it was just the one. Just one. Oh, and they kept they went back to her. Yeah, because she was the one who tore the signs down and went to the police. The police. (laughs) (laughs) And that and that guy, I mean, that old man that they said he said. Well, you know that this this day and age you can't say stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the reason I wanted to post this, uh, Dr. Shadi, is because so the first thing is obviously everyone who had a negative reaction is someone who thinks something negative about Islam, mm-hmm. right? They think that Islam somehow oppresses women, that it's cruel to women. But the best the best part about it is they wouldn't come out and say no, Islam is not right about women. It's t- that's a terrible thing to say. Yeah. Islam is completely wrong about women. Yeah. They were just like this would be Islamic to anyone of it. It would be upsetting to anyone of an Islamic background <laughs> or or many women. <laughs> why would it be upsetting to anyone with an Islamic background? Right. Quote, unquote, why, why should I feel insulted that yeah. you're telling me my religion is right about something? So, I think my religion is right about everything. It, what, what if you, you went around in the same time and you put up the same signs like um, Israel is right about Palestine? Well, that actually right? takes a position, right? <laughs> yeah. But this just does. It's like saying Judaism is right about women. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's my thing, too. When you actually think about this. The, it's when what does it mean when someone says Islam is right about something? Meaning the Quran, the Quran, our, the Sunnah, the Sunnah, which is filtered through, not filtered through, but uh, summarized in our books of doctrine and law. Right. right. So our doctrine and law, we don't have a chapter or a subject matter called what is the nature of women. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. We have certain rulings that may indicate certain things. Right. Right. We have rulings. So the statement itself is so vague. Well, this is what's so genius about yeah. whoever put, put this up, right? <laughs> and I don't think it was a Muslim either. Yeah. But whoever put this, because they could have they could have put up signs that said the Sharia is right about women. Yeah. And then people would have been like, see? That's something to do. And they, yeah. it but this was perfectly worded. Yeah. Islam is right about women. Really, How could you get insulted by that unless you're a bigot against Muslims? That's true. <laughs> that's totally true. Yeah. And uh, it re- totally reminds me of um, the, the lady who spoke up during Obama's campaign, the old lady, right? Oh, yeah. And she's like, uh, who did he run it? McCain. McCain. So she goes up to McCain and she said, uh, I learned something very disturbing. Obama is a Muslim. Oh, she <laughs> said he's an Arab. Oh, he's an Arab. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask you a question. I do not uh, believe in, I can't trust Obama. I, I, I have read about him and he's not, he's not, he's a, um, he's an Arab. He is not. No, man. No, man. No, 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 he's a, He's a, he's a decent family man, citizen, that I just happen to have disagreements with on, on fundamental issues, and that's what this campaign is all about. He's not. Thank you. <laughs> he's an Arab, right? He's like, no, man, no, man, that's not true. That's not true. As if it's like... Well, the, here's the crazy part, and that's why when people were, like, eulogizing McCain and, and lionizing him and saying, they actually cited to that to be like, see what a great guy he was? Yeah. His actual verbatim response was, Ma'am, that's not true. He's actually a very good yes, man and exactly. he's a family man. Exactly. And I'm like, Arabs don't have families? <laughs> How do they reproduce? Oh, my God. He's like, yeah, he's my opponent, but I won't go that low. To yeah. call him an Arab. That's to call him an Arab. Is. No, ma'am, he's not an Arab. He's actually a good person. <laughs> like, oh it's it's ridiculous. So this is this was on the level of that. It also, um, I suspect, although you know nobody knows who did it, but I suspect that it's probably somebody who's very conservative, mm-hmm. not a Muslim, and who actually values like traditional values mm-hmm. that are universal, by the way, yeah. or at least they were up until you know a few years ago. Universal values of people should uh, have families, mm-hmm. they should not engage in sex before marriage, mm-hmm. they should be committed to their spouse, they should uh, marry for the long term and try to maintain those relationships, mm-hmm. um, and that traditional roles, traditional gender roles, actually play an important part in maintaining 
the family structure and maintaining the family intact. In fact, just today, uh, one of my friends sent me an article. It was a study about, it said that in families where that are less traditional marriages, where men tend to do more housework, although that wasn't the, the, the outcome of the study, men tend to do more, more, more housework in these non-traditional family groups. Mm -hmm. They have much higher divorce rates. Mm. Um, and so they were saying, well, it looks like do, men doing more housework is what's causing the divorce, but it's actually not. It's the fact that those tend to be couples that are less traditional in the formation in of, general. Their, of their relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in general. So it's a symptom, not not the cause of the of yeah. the of the dissolution of those marriages. Well, it's just like a a, a correlation. It's a correlation. Right. It has nothing to do with the causation. Yeah. People are getting these people. These group of people are getting divorced. What's something that's common to them? The men do way more housework than in most uh, marriages. Is that the cause of it? It's not yeah. that they're getting divorced because they're resentful. Although there's some arguments to be made about how that creates a sort of relationship where women respect their men in a different way. Like they respect them for their housework and for their wife, yeah. Phoenix, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which can tend to lead to you know problems down the road that are bigger than the actual housework. So yeah, it's not the cause, but it's symptomatic of a non-traditional relationship. Mm. So I think whoever posted, whoever put up those signs is somebody that's very tr that has traditional values. Yeah, I'm um, just like I saw someone online uh, yesterday, s guy who's kind of conservative, uh, is like a very pro pro black, but also very conservative. Um, he said, somebody said something about, you know, you sound like you're advocating for Sharia. He's a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, Sharia is better than whatever the hell we have right now. <laughs> right? And I've seen this. There was a report about this, like uh, even trying to put it on white supremacists who are now actually like looking at Muslim lives and saying like, these people have some structure. They, you know, they got some stuff going on that we don't have. They have like an absolute. So they have a source to go back to. Right. They got something to go back to. And, and that's something that I was talking the other day that if you if you have all these tribes and people are tribal right right uh when you look at everyone's trying to advance their tribe so the question is practically if you're a practical person the question is how do i advance my tribe and what is the advancement right but we have a very crisp and clear answer every time something of the anything of the dean or of the son of the prophet is established means it takes place in the world it's happening in the world for, for you know with sincerity right you've advanced the dean right yeah. every iqama establish advances the ummah another 20 percent the message of the prophet i sent him another 20 one fifth of a day right so we know where our deen is established if you want to the prophet even told us if you want to know the barometer or the uh, where or the headquarters of where uh the, the health of the ummah is so we have this beautiful uh, saying that if you want to know the health of the neighborhood then you go to fajr or Aisha. if you want to know the health of the the town you go to Juma. Just look around. That's your town. Right. If you want to know the health of the region, you go to Eid, right? Because that's where the bigger crowd comes. And if you want to know the health of the Ummah at large, go to Hajj, hmm. right? And Subhanallah, last time I was at Hajj, it was like a war zone, right? Minna is like a war zone. <laughs> like there's, there's, they, they're doing a lot better job, but they're in order to police the streets, they have to literally, there are literally police cars, like with sirens. 24 hours a day you just have to get used to it. 24 hours a day and it's like don't you people even think about the mood that you're creating right it and mahmoud al-banna was like i'm telling you it's like a war zone out here it's like world war ii out here Subhanallah. right it's supposed to be quiet peaceful doing uh ibad and dhikr and, and getting to know people right and yeah. uh, that's what hajj is eating and dhikrullah and and seeing new people like seeing your ummah it's amazing walking in minna is the most beautiful most amazing thing you'll ever do 
like walk out night once the sun sets start taking walks right when the when the sun goes out just take walks in minna get lost in minna right you will just see the, the chinese sect i ended up eating i ended up being hungry and eating right with the chinese camp right because i was hungry i was going to visit uh i was going to visit habib omar and i was famished and i got lost real bad too which well. is easy it's easy to get lost yeah. especially now that they're trying to create traffic patterns mm-hmm. so they have these one-way systems right and these one-way systems means that you're going down if you realize to, to make a left turn then you realize that left turn was wrong right you can't just cross over right. you got to go down back around again walking everything is walking so i got lost real bad i was just famished completely and i remember someone said whenever you're going to visit one of the Salihin, right and you have a need on the way right then Allah will grant it to you because of how much Allah loves the mu'mineen to go visit the Salihin, right? So uh, I, th- I thought, I just literally, I, would, I didn't even think about, I didn't make a dua. or anything. I just remembered that saying that someone said. And while I was going there, I was thinking, oh, you know what, I, would, I hope there's food at the, you know, the tent that I'm going to. And literally while I was thinking about that, a man turned around from the Chinese camp and he turned around and he, had extra food in his hand and he handed me a big carton of food right <laughs> had a pile of rice and chicken and uh, uh and a drink all right so i sat down i just devoured that stuff and i sat next to a couple a family a son daughter and a, and a mother we split the food and i mean i don't know these people these people are from how many thousands of miles away right and we just had a meal together just think about what other grouping or tribe if we want to call it a tribe, yeah. just for the sake of calling it that, right? Or, or team, is that ever going to happen? Oh. Where I'm just taking their food completely off the street and eating it with, and like um, I'm with her kid, her child. You know, today, if you sit next to someone on a park bench, that, that's calling the police on you, yeah. right? Yeah. I just sat at a step. The kid was playing next to me. And mom turned around. I opened the thing. We split the food, right? Walked on and went, went on. Anyway, the point that I was saying is that, um, what was I saying anyway? We're, we're tribal, right? Yeah, People so the, you want to see the state of the Ummah. You want to see the state of the Ummah, you go to Hajj. Right. So we know how to advance our quote-unquote tribe, right? And it's this is how you advance it, by these amal. And the masjid becomes your your barracks almost, your right. headquarters. You want to see the state, you want to improve something, it's the masjid. But I had another point about this. Uh, it, just as we recognize that people are tribal, what is the tribal the, the, we should not expect the regular average American also not to be tribal of course mm-hmm. so what's his tribe going to be it's going to be his race right or it's right. going to be his culture or whatever right or if he's religious or if it's religious it's going to be his religion so we have to remember too that uh, they've been for, enfor- something's been forced upon them that is actually totally unnatural right this idea of just everyone come in and live together right so you're basically tearing down some very natural tribal instincts of sameness. Of course. Right? So when this guy comes up and says, you know, this, you can't say this stuff for his time or this is disgusting, I actually sort of understand uh, the fear and hesitation of people because I understand tribal life. Imagine us, let's say we're Muslim too. If something happened and all of a sudden North Brunswick became filled with, let's say, 50,000 Uyghur Chinese Muslims, right? They're going to take over the masjid, right? That's not going to be something that's theoretically on paper should be wrong, but that's also something that's not going to make us comfortable, right? And if that happened over the span of five, six years, 
Yeah, well, you're going to have mixed feelings about that. Like, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You have your everyone's got their local masjid. We have our habits. We're people of habits. We're people that I go to my mosque. I see the same, pretty much same thing, right? Slight change here and there. Not too much change. I'm not going to be comfortable, right? This stuff is total ideal. Like you just stuff everyone down everyone else's throat and be happy about it, right? right. It's not. It's not realistic. So I actually don't even mind these people. And that's let's not forget. I mean, we came to them, right? Yeah. We came to their country, and they got it forced upon them. They should be blaming uh, uh, Johnson, who opened it all up, right? And now all these Muslims are here. Yeah. So that's the that's the reality of the immigrant Muslim. And for people like me, right? Yeah, that's the reality for the immigrant Muslim. And this yeah. has always been my attitude towards it, like always. Yeah. No matter what political leaning I might have espoused, I became Muslim. I'm a, creating an imposition mm-hmm. on my non-Muslim family, mm-hmm. on my non-Muslim uh, community and on the Muslims mm-hmm. because I'm coming in I don't know the religion well and I'm coming in and I'm expecting people to welcome me and teach me and be patient with me f- with you know as I'm learning and as I'm picking up and it's not just learning fiqh and learning to recite Quran and learning it's also you have to learn the, the akhlaq of a different community True. right manners are different the adab is different and mm-hmm. so you have to pick it up and you can't expect people to just like always be like well yeah, you're new, so I'll I'll excuse it. Yeah. In fact, somebody told me once that Imam Malik's position was people that became Muslim. Of yeah. course, they were Arabs already in Medina, but people that became Muslim, they had six months of being a new Muslim. Yeah, and after that, you're just a Muslim. That's it. And there's yeah. no more like yeah. you're. That's it. That's it. You this is your tra- training wheels are off. Yeah. So it's an imposition on the Muslim community. It's an imposition on my community in general, right? Yeah. My my non-Muslim family and my non-Muslim community. Like now, I have different rules about what I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. I have different. I have to take breaks at different times. Mm-hmm. I have to take weird days off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not shaking women's hands. Like, there's a lot that goes on yeah. that I'm asking other people to adjust to. So there should be some humility with that. Yeah, on both sides. You know, I'm new. Just like the immigrant should have some humility yeah. about the fact that he's being accepted into this new country, the the Muslim that's a native of America, born here, raised here, and converted to Islam, should also see himself in that way, right? Yeah. Don't be arrogant about it. Have some humility about the fact that people are accommodating you. Yeah, everyone's got to have sabr on both sides. Yeah, and you, as a convert, you actually have to have sabr with both with both the non-Muslims and the Muslims. Yeah, and uh, funny story that one time, uh, <laughs> this story was really funny. There was someone who was sort of making some noise in the masjid during Tarawih, and it happened to be on the women's side. And, you know, like, people in the same culture, they don't want to tell their elder, right, that you know it's really hard to talk to your elder if your elder's t- causing right. some trouble. So Zainab, she she goes, I'm American. They know I don't have manners. Let me do it. <laughs> so That's hilarious. They don't expect me to have adabs. Let me just do it. <laughs> Tell them to be quiet. Yeah. By the way, just uh, before we move on to the next topic, on yeah. that story that you were telling about Hajj and the Chinese family, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, I heard a dot <clears throat> once made by Sheikh, and he said, uh, somebody was asking him for a dot, and he said, Allah, make, fulfill the needs of every believer, mm. whether they articulated or not mm, subhanallah right because subhanallah. and that, that gave me a lot of thought mm-hmm. and uh, that was many years ago and it's never I've never really gotten over it because it was so deep mm-hmm. because our articulation of our dua are actually speaking the words yeah. and raising our hands and you know fulfilling the adab of dua which is face the, the, the qibla and raise your hands and etc be in a state of wudu sit like you do in your prayer all of that is just having good manners with Allah mm-hmm. Allah fulfills your needs even if you don't say them yeah Right. And the and the amazing thing is how many people actually don't know their need, and this is actually practical because 
uh, for many people who have back pains, they think they have a pain in their back. The problem is actually probably in their hamstring, right? Yeah. That it's tightened up, so their back is tightened up now. So you think you're rubbing your back, rubbing your back, rubbing your back. You're rubbing the wrong thing, right? right? You should actually be rubbing your hip. Sometimes it extends from the calf, right? right? So if you ask anyone in physical therapy, most people who complain about their bodies, they're, they're complaining about the symptom. They have no clue what the cause is, right. right? So they're attributing that the symptom is the cause, is the problem. So if that's the case with a simple thing like your body, imagine then like the family. So if you have a family problem, you might actually, your problem may be so subtle, somewhere in the middle, that's actually causing all the problems, right? right? And you have no clue what your problem is. So that's why these general du'as of the Quran are really good. Right. This is also like the guy who complains about the fact that he does too much housework. Yeah. And he thinks that that's the actual problem. Yeah. When the problem is that you lived with your wife before you married her, mm-hmm. that she has a bunch of male friends that they go, she goes out with on the weekends. Yeah. The fact that you have a bunch of female friends that you're way too close to, mm-hmm. that you don't have a normal, traditional, yeah. normal, normal adult life. You're yeah. acting like kids in school. And you think that it's the fact that you're doing too much housework and you resent it. The problem is that you don't have a normal, a normal relationship. Yeah. That's just a symptom. You're not acting like normal human beings. And you don't realize it because you think that this is just what modern people do. And we have a a, a very simple list of priorities. Like, it sounds corny, but it's the three Fs. Faith, family, finances. In that order. You don't sacrifice, ever sacrifice family for finances. And you never sacrifice faith for family. Right? So the foundation is your deen. And these foundations are not just the foundations of what keeps us alive. It's a foundation of what makes us happy. So Dean should never be sacrificed. Then family should never be sacrificed. Then finances should never be sacrificed. And careerism is a big disease in the West because there's so much opportunity to do stuff that careerism is actually challenging this pyramid, this pyramid that we're making here. And it's almost like careerism, faith, family, finances. That's how people take it now, right? So to have a great career is now supplanting and challenging these two bottom uh, foundations. And that's really going to mess you up. You're going to live such a, you're going to end up lonely. Your careerism is a dogfight. You, your character changes. Okay. Um, your faith takes a hit. Your family takes a hit if you're imbalanced about careerism. That's really men and women. But uh, when it's both people in the house who are, you know, suffering from this, it's a problem. Of course. So, you know, uh, just a quick anecdote related to this. I was doing a training session uh, with some newer employees hmm. and uh, there was like a break. And so I'm standing there waiting for, you know, everybody to come back or whatever. And there's two women that are sitting there. Um, They're about the same age. And the one says to the other one, asks her if she's going to, like, the conference in AC. Like, it's like a thing for, you know, people that work in uh, criminal law or whatever. And uh, so the other one says, no, my husband doesn't want me to go to that because he says those places get a little... You know, crazy. people are away from from the office, and they see people that they see in the office. So it gets a little crazy, and he's not he's yeah. not comfortable with that. And the other one was aghast. Yeah. Like, How? What? Your <laughs> husband tells you what to do? And I'm sitting there, right, and I'm looking at them, and I'm dying to say something because yeah. they're about the same age. The one that wants to go to that conference lives with her boyfriend. Yeah. The other one is married and has a couple of kids. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, the answer to why one works in the other. So yeah. Islam is right about women. It is. Right. It's not oppress women. It's be protective. Yeah. It's treat them as if they are valuable, not as if, sure, go hang out with Bill and Ted and go have a great time this weekend in Atlantic City yeah. with your male coworkers. So, I don't care. I trust you. It's not a matter of trust. <laughs> it, you, trust uh, uh, you trust them. Do you trust everyone around her? Of course. That's exactly. a question. Like, I trust, I trust my wife that she won't do Sure, that's a given. No yeah. problem. You're okay with her fending off dudes all weekend yeah. that are drunk and... and, and 
getting handsy. What are you insane? Yeah. And by the way, this issue of trust, we actually have doctrine about this. We don't trust ourselves, let alone like right. nobody should trust themselves. Right. Like you wouldn't go and say, let's go to the Eastern F on a Friday night where all the clubs are. And, and, and in, uh, in the summertime, it's like no one's dressed. Right. right? And let's go and hand out uh, Dawa pamphlets. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so the question of isn't the question isn't. Well, is this appropriate to be given out the Quran in this location? No, the question is, do you trust yourself to be to be looking at this and lowering your gaze? Yeah. And and we don't trust ourselves. And so it came on the tongue of Zulaikha, the wife of the king of the Aziz, right? And Allah quotes her in the Quran after what she did. Right. Because she said such a word of truth, of insight that we have to take, which is I'm not gonna make myself innocent, right? In other words, I'm not trusting myself. Vary the soul uh, commands to evil. And whenever people, this concept of I don't trust myself and I have to be safe on myself, this is the concept that, that keeps you safe, right? Yeah. So these uh, these people as well are waging war on ghira, the right. concept of ghira. Ghira is the concept that you don't want something beloved to you to be aggressed upon. I see it all the time on Muslim Twitter, people going, like, just belittling that concept. Yeah, belittling the concept. And actually, the Prophet ﷺ never saw ghira except that he upheld it, even if it was to an extreme, to the point that, and not ex- extreme, I'll say extreme in our perspective, yeah. right? 2019, American. Yeah. yeah. How about Sayyidah Isha, it's, the Prophet ﷺ is in her hujra, her room, her apartment, because it was her day, and he had guests. And then all of a sudden, Someone, some ghulam or boy, brings food, right? And he says, from whom is this food? And he says, it was from, so I think it was like Sayyidah Zainab, who was newly married to the Prophet yeah. And she was a very beautiful woman. And the Sayyidah Aisha knew that she was very pretty and also very high status. So Sayyidah Aisha was very confident, but there is competition, right? right. In the sense, like, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but she did not worry about certain people. She had her eye uh, on right. other people because she has a love for the Prophet, peace be upon him. Right? And uh, and I don't mean that in any sense that that, that should be, you know, uh, sound sound wrong or anything. Right. But this is well known that uh, she was concerned about this. All of a sudden, she comes in the room. This is her day. Someone else is bringing food, getting involved. Like, right. why are you getting involved? She comes in and, whoops, flips the food over. Gets it all sandy. Now it can't be eaten, right? So then she stormed right out. She went in, did that, and came right out. In front of the Sahaba, in front of guests. Could you imagine if that happened right now? I mean, it would be an embarrassment. You would have to be like, lower your eyes or something. You'd be like, this is weird, right? Sheikh, if I had a, if I had just one more wife, yeah. I can absolutely imagine my wife doing oh my at least gosh. that. <laughs> yes, I can imagine it. So the Prophet wasallam smiled and said, Gharat ummukum. So he didn't say Aisha or Bint Abi Bakr. Ummukum. She remind. He's reminding. Her, Don't have any bad thoughts because this is your mother, right. right? So that's the first thing. And then he he smiled and said Gharat. He didn't blame it. He didn't belittle it. He he accepted it. He dusted the food and tried to eat what is possible to be eaten from it. But the point of Ghira is that it's the glue between marriages, yeah. and they want to kill it. And I think that this is one of the things that if this person that is, if my suspicion is right, that some kind of conservative American mm-hmm. non-Muslim. I think part of the argument is they were being sincere in at least that part of the argument that is we don't treat our, our relationships with women are not what they should be. Yeah. Modern relationships with women in America are they're terrible. Fathers can't even tell their daughters not to do certain things. Dude, the, every Hollywood movie, the dad is made to be a dope 
right? And if he even asked the name of her boyfriend, right? He's like controlling and he's everything negative. Just if he, if he asks a single question about his name. One of the judges that used to work with me, he's retired now. Yeah. He's, uh, he's mostly Italian. He's got some Irish, but mostly Italian. His daughter got a scholarship to play a sport mm-hmm. in college out of state. Yeah. He bought a house wow. near that university. He was like, yeah, you can go out of state. Me and your mother are coming with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, this, it is what it is. <laughs> SubhanAllah. And that's perfectly normal. I'm actually happy that there are people like that still exist. Oh, you know what's not normal? Sending your 17, 18-year-old daughter across the country to a state where you know no one and just go ahead, be on your own. I'll send you money every month or something. That's insane. That's insane. I wouldn't even send my son out like that. Yeah. Probably. But my daughter? Are you... (laughs) It's just crazy. I I know a convert who is... Family is originally from the Midwest, right? Old school people. Like old school as in country clubs, right? That old school. So... Uh, he his parents were his grandparents were really upset they became Muslim, shocked, and then he married a uh, a woman from you know Muslim country. They were even more like beside themselves. Now time has passed though, and the and the grandparents, right? They now see the grandkids from their other kids or other grandkids, uh, marrying, having kids. I mean, having kids before marriage, not marrying at all, like never asking about them. You're right, uh, completely different creatures, like right. unrelatable creatures at all, completely unrelatable. Right. And then he's witnessing here this Muslim grandkid of mine. He contacts me. He visits me. He's covered. His wife like isn't wearing like isn't half naked. They got married before they uh, had Lived kids. Did anything? Yeah. Yeah. They they care for their kid. Their kids aren't just sort of wild kids that are just doing whatever's the latest thing. And he relates more to his Muslim grandkids now than anything else. So it got me thinking, we actually relate more to 1950s and 60s uh, America than of today's America, even though they would have thought that we're like, you know, backwards people, blah, 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 blah. And they, you know, had their prejudices. But morally speaking, it's like totally the way we would live. It's 100% true. It's 100% true. I mean, one of the, this is an actual uh, study the number one predictor of poverty, yeah. forget any other factor. You eliminate all the other factors, the number one predictor is having children out of wedlock. SubhanAllah. You have children before you're married. Even if you stay with that person and you mm. live together and eventually you maybe even get married and your kids are in your wedding or something, SubhanAllah. which happens a lot, yeah. the number one predictor for poverty is having children out of wedlock. Which is amazing because in the sunnah, the blessed marriage, the rizq comes with the children. Of course. So the Prophet said, marry and Allah will make it easy. Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. I heard that once and I was like, wow, subhanAllah, that children bring their own risk. They come with their own risk. You don't have to worry about, yeah. I can't afford kids. And and the responsibility of a halal marriage brings its own risk because right. the Prophet said that. He said, marry and Allah will give the risk. That's why the when, when, you, when you're looking at someone for marriage, you should look at, does he have the ethic and maybe some skill to work? You shouldn't look at a bank account right now. Right. Just look at his future. Does he have, has he proven himself as a work, hard worker? And has he proven that he adopted some, or developed some skill that he can earn in the future? Mm-hmm. At that point, don't worry about what he has now. Right. He could have nothing now, but he's, he's got these elements. Right. Then, khalas. Well, I, I was unemployed when I asked for my wife. Subhanallah. Like I had just lost a job. Wow. Subhanallah. But I was in, I was in law school. Same <laughs> with me. Same <laughs> with me. I never had a serious uh, job before mm-hmm. I got married. Right. And uh, I was in graduate school and I had good, uh, you know, all these basic things that you have, like uh, 
uh, an aspiration. Right. That's the key. So that actually leads to the next thing because Christians in America, I'm actually very happy anytime I see some kind of morally conservative Christian. Yeah, alhamdulillah. And whether or not they're racist against us or not or prejudice against us is actually secondary to me right now because I would rather live against someone who wants to keep a distance from me but is married and has kids and doesn't you know, uh, get involved in these crazy ideas. I have no problem with that. By the way, if we stay on the sunnah, yeah. eventually, eventually they'll be way more accepting of us oh, if totally. acceptance is even something that's a goal but they'll be way more accepting of us than the people who a lot of Muslims are allied with now which oh, is the, totally. the leftists totally. so yeah so this this comes up uh, this is the second point which is somebody uh, up, up made an appeal to the Supreme Court for uh, certiorari that means that, they, that they're going to take your case this is a funny story read it to us sure so Supreme Court rejects challenge to public school coursework on Islam it says the Supreme Court on Tuesday rebuffed an appeal from a Christian former high school student who argued Coursework on Islam at her Maryland school violated her First Amendment rights. The dispute involves, they named the person, a student in Maryland, who enrolled in a state-mandated world history course during 2014-2015 school year. As part of the class, the then-junior was required to complete coursework on, quote, the Muslim world, in which she learned about Islam. Wood took issue with two parts of the class, a PowerPoint presentation that said that most Muslims' faith is stronger than the average Christian, Allah alam, <laughs> and fill in the blank worksheet and a fill in the blank worksheet in which she had to write quote there is no god but allah and muhammad is the messenger of allah <laughs> which she said was a violation of her christian faith <laughs> listen good for i mean from, from her perspective hey from hey if my kid had to do something similar to that i might have some objections okay. so uh would refuse to complete some of the class assignments which led to a lower grade the school, quote, subjected Ms. Wood to this promotional instruction in Islam <laughs> and also refused to grant her an opt-out alternative assignment when Ms. Wood, holding fast to her Christian belief, refused to write that Muslim, that the Muslim God is the only God, <laughs> her lawyer said in filings with the Supreme Court. Wood uh, sued the principal and vice principal of the school, alleging First Amendment violations had been, vi her First Amendment rights had been violated. The Fourth Circuit of Court of Appeals sided with the principal and vice principal, ruling that the teachings at issue did not impermissibly endorse any religion nor did they compel Wood to profess any belief. Uh, the Supreme Court rejected the petition. Okay, Kaylee Wood, I'm glad she's actually trying to uphold her religion and everything, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, congratulations. I'm not mad at you. Yeah, her parents are a little bit uh, excessive because um, we have a doctrine, and maybe they don't have a doctrine like that in Christianity, called Naqilul Kufri Laysa Bikafir, which is if you just transmit the knowledge of some other religion, that is Kufr, it doesn't make you a Kafir. Right. Like if I say... Christians say that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm not a Catholic for uttering the word Jesus is the Son of God. Right. Right. So if I'm quizzing my kids, all right, uh, what do Christians say? And the, and he says that Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't commit kufr. Now it'd be better if he said Christians say, right? Then it. Uh, but still, naqilul kufri leysi bi kafir. Well, so if if your son is taking a world religions course and they're like, fill in the blanks, Hindus worship X number of gods and you write in you know yeah 48,000 or something yeah <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um the law of the the law of the of the of the israelites was brought to them by and you put musa and Isra, right? yeah. jesus is the blank of god yeah you put son it doesn't yeah. mean you're declaring it you're not declaring and it. you don't have room in that space to write Jesus is the Christian say son yeah. <laughs> right? exactly. you just say son, son because that's what you're answering what they believe this fill in the blank and this quiz was probably 
the Muslim declaration of faith is blank. Right? That's all she was asked to write. And her parents, maybe she's coming from a literalist church that doesn't have a developed possibly. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Pinker. You ever yeah, read his stuff, Pinker. Stephen Pinker? This guy, all over. If you pick up my copy of my book, of his, my, his book, I'm reading the book. I have to do something. I can't. Every two lines, I'm writing yeah, kafir, yeah, I'm I'm putting that in there in case someone down the lineage in, picks, up the book. picks up the book. I want them to see what their grandpa said about it, right? <laughs> yeah, kafir, yeah, kafir. Halfway through, it's every other page. He's, he said it's supposed to be about language, right? He loves using examples, right? That would mock religion in it. Mm-hmm. Same with the guy who wrote uh, a great uh, the Big Short. Yeah, that guy. He is a great writer. He's an awesome storyteller. You learn a lot about finances. He also wrote a book about money. He wrote Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah. You read these books, right? He is so good. Okay, he's got some kind of regular name. I can't remember his name. He lives out in San Jose. He also every single book of his has got a mock religion in some way. Oh. I said, okay, put it. I'm writing Yeah Kefir, right? <laughs> <laughs> just in case the next person who picks it up, right, doesn't just swallow it and knows that I put that there. Anyway, but... So, uh, yeah, we support people being, uh, you know, fervent for their religion. Oh, totally. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a quote in the Bible and I'm probably going to butcher it. So apologies to any Christians mm-hmm. that are listening. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's in the New Testament. Anyway, he said... And then he tasted their faith mm-hmm. in their in his mouth, and he saw that it was neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. And so he spat it out. Mm. So having a lukewarm faith, yeah, being halfway in your email, either be all in, or just I, get I, out of here with that. I never understood when I was at Rutgers, the Muslim youth who were in the middle, right? That means so this youth he wants to hang out with all the other Muslim girls. He wants to go to the area in the student centers where all the Muslim girls was and little flirt around. Okay, I'm thinking to myself, that's like fasting and like sniffing the food. <laughs> like why either don't fast or stay away from the kitchen. Why would you fast, right, and walk in the kitchen right. and walk past all the restaurants, right? So I'm thinking to myself, you have temptations. We all have temptations. There's only two ways to treat temptations. Either you don't believe in it and you do them or go the opposite way. Like why would you... You know, well, I guess that's human weakness. That's it's what like it is because we we're human beings. It's like somebody that steals a little bit. Yeah. Why are you stealing a little bit? <laughs> no. If you're gonna, st- if you're gonna steal, the sin is stealing. Yeah. And the punishment is gonna be the afterlife punishment. And if you get caught here, you're gonna get uh, yeah. a criminal. Tra- so why are you stealing a thousand dollars? Steal a million if you're gonna steal. Yeah. There's there. Oh, there's a saying that don't uh, be mediocre. <laughs> in, in Morocco, Sheikh Hamza actually said he said something like this, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gave us. He gave. He he was. It was a saying, right? Yeah. It's like if you're gonna steal, steal gold. Right. <laughs> if you're going to, um, it was it was a saying like that. If you're going to do something, do it. You know, even your sin to the best of the to, to the best yeah. that there is. Seek out the highest exactly. goal yeah. in your sinfulness. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where weakness of iman it really makes no sense. You're wasting your time. You're frustrating yourself. So you either have a strong iman or you have a weak iman or or no iman at all. Right, and that's not an option. Sheikh, we both know the rest of that, and we're just not saying exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, the only thing I would say about this 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 young lady though is that she's probably missing out by being a little closed minded, yeah. um, and this applies to Muslims as well. You know, Dr. Omar Farouk yeah. Abdullah, he used to teach in Saudi Arabia at the university. He used to teach religious studies, mm. and uh, part of what he taught in his curriculum was, you know, he's teaching. These are people that are studying to be shuyukh, right? Mm. And uh, in Saudi, 
And one of the things is that they had to learn comparative religions. So mm -hmm. they had to learn about Judaism, Christianity, you know, the, the major world religions. Yeah. And he said almost this, almost every student he had that came across was like, why do I have to learn about this? This yeah. is That's so unimportant. Yeah. How are you going to be man? That's true. How are you going to lead a community? I mean, I know it's insular in Saudi Arabia, but what yeah. if you ever leave? Yeah. Or what if, as is happening now, Saudi Arabia starts opening up to foreigners? Yeah. Like, you have to know at least what these people believe. How could you be? This is your field of study. Yeah. It's like being like, I'm studying, I'm going to be uh, a chemist. Yeah. I don't want to know anything about physics or biology. <laughs> I'm not interested in those. Yeah. What are you, stupid? Yeah, I mean, you even need to have a background on these things because they're in the Quran. So, yeah, exactly. Like, what does that mean? It means uh, the third within the third three right? right it doesn't mean the third of three right. that's actually the phrase for what the trinity is right they knew that they worship one god but these three within himself well that's this is like what you said in your talk the other night at uh uh little uh at muhammad's uh i mean thing oh yeah when you were when you're saying the, the muslims got the quran they saw these things and they were like this is more for us to know mm. so we're actually going to learn about these things yeah including the other religions yeah like you don't just shut it off it's to your benefit to know more like for example uh anyone who's going to study if you're going to study fiqh seriously, you're going to get to mu'amalat. You're going to get to mu'amalat, you're going to get to uh, buying and selling, which means you have to know today's contracts. What do today's sales look of like? Course. Like all these terminology, all this, these terms in Wall Street, like you got to ha have a clue because someone's going to then ask you, oh, is this type of trade halal? Right? And is like, this and you'll be like, what's option? a derivative swap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have one answer. If it has riba in it, it's haram, but, you, but you're going to look ignorant, right? So the... Um, Today, the Muslims got to be sturdy. Mm -hmm. a global, we're, we're global. We got to be sturdy. We have to think a thousand steps in advance. And that's what Muslims did in the past. They, they thought more than their opponents. They yeah. were thinkers more than their opponents. So when they had opponents, uh, you know, they were able to deal with it. So, right. Caliwood, we appreciate you. Yep. Um, but don't, don't <laughs> close yourself off from learning about the world. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the, uh, the, the next thing that I want to talk about. So this, there, was an, there was a town hall that the Democrats did uh, maybe a week or two ago mm -hmm. um, which was centered on uh, gay stuff it was disgusting which by the way the transgender people just overtook um, we played that clip not on, on, a, on a previous episode about that actor yeah. who's getting berated by the people that he's trying to help right yeah. as if that wasn't you know this is like that was like prophetic because yeah. now the democratic candidates are on stage and CNN is hosting it mm -hmm. and the transgender people are berating them they're berating the candidates they're berating the people in the audience that are that are on their side yeah like there was this one insane woman who had uh their her nine-year-old child there uh, who claimed to be transgender by the way so the, the the kid the little girl introduces herself says i'm a transgender boy she's dressed like a boy but it's a girl yeah and the audience claps and then elizabeth warren claps and goes good for you good for you what do you what do you what is wrong with you like this is a candidate for the highest yeah. office in the country yeah in one of the most powerful the na nations in the world and uh, and you you wouldn't let your kids have a, a skittles dinner yeah skittles for dinner you wouldn't allow this but you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna promote yeah. this child getting hormone therapy that's gonna ruin her body and make her incapable of of producing yeah. children in the future probably you wouldn't allow them to ride their bike alone without a helmet without a helmet you don't you, let you adults have, ride bikes without exactly. helmets Unbelievable. But you you don't protect children from this. It's by the way, real her, insanity. The, the little girl's mother is yeah. an activist in a human rights something, human rights campaign, which is like a gay transgender thing. So it just so happens, coincidentally, that this... Oh, yeah. That this transgender activist, mm -hmm. this pro-transgender activist maniac, yeah. just happens to luck 
out and get a daughter that exactly. wants to be a boy. No, come yeah. on. This child <laughs> abuse. It's total abuse. It's total abuse. It's so it's so transparent. It's unbelievable. So the other the other thing the other incident that that happened that uh, you mentioned to me before is uh, you know one of these women is talking also with like a little kid. It might have been the same woman, and she's saying how she support. Uh, and this is like an actual woman, and how she's you know in favor of you know trans rights and and people's lives matter and all this stuff. And some transgender dude, some dude dressed up like a woman, comes running, screaming the whole time, mm-hmm. till he gets to her, takes the microphone away from her, and starts saying, "That's right, my life matters. Trans people, tra- trans people of color are dying every, and everybody's applauding this dude in yeah. a costume that snatched the microphone from a woman. I thought yeah. we were supposed to, I, I thought we were not supposed to shut women down, yeah, and not cut them off, and not and let women speak. To, yeah. Like what, what kind of feminism is it where mm-hmm. you let a dude? literally take the microphone away from a woman and berate her and yeah. everybody else because he's wearing a dress he's still a guy he's still a guy and the proof that he's still a guy is that there was a funny picture where uh you know like shown to two people that are uh, in bed together right and she's like well are we gonna have protection right and she's like no today i'm identifying as a woman right? <laughs> is that gonna change anything right it's it's, it's madness yeah it's it, it's it uh madness. that day i was thinking it's arkham asylum over there right it's yeah. arkham asylum yeah I mean, this thing, firstly, like you said, they're trying to help you. They're there pandering to you. Pandering. Right? And yet, you're still finding a reason to be angry, right? It's an asylum. That's That was the next one where a woman, a woman CNN anchor, a black woman, is introducing some speaker who's coming to the mic. And she's reading a, 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 the name off a cue card or, or something, yeah. right? And the person's name is spelled S-H-E-A <clears throat> and last name Diamond. Yeah. Right? So she goes, Shay Diamond. Is next on the microphone. That's how you would say that, like That's Shea Stadium. Shea Stadium, yeah. Right? Like Shea Butter. Mm-hmm. Shea. Yeah. And she goes, the dude starts going in on the on the CNN anchor. Yeah. Telling her, no, honey. Mine, it's Shea, because like she a diamond. Oh, my it's, God. First of all, it's bad grammar <laughs> yeah. on top of that. <laughs> she is a diamond. <laughs> oh she a diamond. Yeah. That's why you spelled it that way. That's but you should separate the letters then. Yeah. She should be she. Uh, a period diamond apostrophe s of course is yeah. extinct it's a made-up name anyway yeah you cycle right <laughs> so she's like listen you have to get it right pronounce it right because mis misgendering and and mispronunciation of and, names and is misnaming or wrongly naming trans people is literally violence yeah I sh- oh my gosh i would have are you crazy <laughs> and why are you calling her a honey like yeah. it's this is those two incidents are the absolute epitome of yeah. Trans misogyny. Trans dudes are the most misogynistic mm. people that have ever existed in the history of humankind. Well, who's writing on this? I'm sure feminists should be writing on oh, this. Oh, there right? are. There are so so there are really hardcore feminists, radical yeah. feminists, especially older ones, who go, This is all insanity. Mm-hmm. You guys are dudes. You don't belong in our spaces. Mm-hmm. You don't share our experience. You don't know what it was like to be a twelve year old girl and your body starts to develop and guys are looking mm-hmm. at you. You don't know what it's like to go through the hormones that we went through. You don't know what you don't know any of this. You lived forty five years of your life as a man yeah. with all the advantages that that, that brings in, in American society. And now you throw on a dress and you be like, Yeah, sister, yeah. no, get out of here. <laughs> Scram. This is you're not a woman. <laughs> so they're the, they're they're the only people on the left that are reasonable about it. Yeah. And it's because they know that this is they have a vested interest like this is coming into conflict with their fight for their rights yeah and as much as it's that's legitimate in any way but so like in sports you know we always talk about it i don't want to beat, beat a dead horse but sports dudes 
throwing on a girl's uniform and destroying women oh. in sports is ridiculous. I mean, they're giving them like concu- sending them to the hospital, they're yeah. breaking their bones. It's it's just nonsense, yeah. and it should not happen. Yeah, like the Brazilian one who uh, he was like six foot tall. He's destroying everyone in yeah. volleyball, right? Yeah. Like, uh, what kind, what world is this? This is like an, it's it's insane. Or like the dude that fought MMA. Yeah, and didn't even tell I, anybody. He, he hurt someone, right? Yeah. Like it's just it's 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 unacceptable. So yeah. that's there's, if there's a hard limit, I draw it on people pretending to be something they're not. Yeah, you know, just get lost with that. Yeah. I, I think you're going to start really seeing a big backlash from uh, the girls that are growing up with this. I mean, to your point with the sports, yeah. right? That there, I mean, the girls that are playing against transgenders are totally against it. I saw something yesterday that they're actually now girls are becoming fearful in the locker rooms mm-hmm. because uh, you know there's transgenders in there. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna start you know really coming against us because they're the ones growing up with it and that and then they're not necessarily coming from churches they're yeah just, just regular yeah people. just normal you know girls that are growing up in the suburbs yeah. and yeah they they know what's a boy and what's a girl and yeah. you know to your point alex they have everything with the hormones and yeah. you know all the, those experiences that they have and they you know know that what they're being told by the school is not true yeah. right yeah. i mean not to go but still on topic the supreme court is considering a case now uh i think it's would be harris funerals mm. um they had one argument last week and it's a guy who, like, late in life, 50s, he's been working at a funeral home in whatever capacity he works, usher or something. And he goes, you know, I'm going to start being a woman now. Mm-hmm. I'm changing my name to Amy. And uh, the funeral home goes, well, we have a dress code, though. And you can't be just showing up here in a dress mm-hmm. in, or wearing a skirt or a halter. Like, you're not a woman. You have to dress like a man. Yeah. And he's like, I can't. My identity is a woman, and so I dress like a woman. And they're like, nope. <laughs> then you can't work here. And What was the issue with the dress code? Well, they're saying you so, have you're a man. You have to dress like a man. Yeah, like you look like a dude. You can't just come in here in a in a, in a dress. And oh, you're gonna you're gonna upset the customers. These right? are people grieving their loved ones that just died. Yeah, like this That's is not a time for you to play costumes. <laughs> you know, like it's not like it's not like you work at Walmart where wear whatever you want. The no customers come here. They know that ridiculous things happen at Walmart. <laughs> they don't care, right? <laughs> These are people who have hired us. To, to, to take care of the, their last needs of their of their father, of their mom, of their child, maybe. Mm-hmm. This person, they're in the middle of the most terrible thing that can happen to them, the loss of your close yeah. family. And here's a dude in lipstick yeah. and a dress with stubble. Like, awudu <laughs> billah. Like, yeah. what are you doing? The funeral people should be as out of the way, as plain as yes. you're not supposed Which to be. Which is why they have a dress code. You yeah. can't come in here in a red shirt. Uh-huh. You can't wear a pink polka dot tie. I see what you're saying, yeah. So they're like, you can't be a spectacle. This is yeah. You can't draw the attention on yourself when people are mourning the loss of a, of a family. Like, sorry, you can't do it. You can be Amy all day you want. When you come here, you put on a shirt and tie or don't come. You're going to upset people, yeah. So they're sued and the case is up at the Supreme Court. When is that going to be heard? It was heard. The, the argument was heard. I mean, the decision probably won't come down until much later because they're going to argue about it a lot, I'm sure. But the, the oral argument happened last week. Um, our... our, our uh, our friend uh, Ismail Royer yeah. was at the uh, at the Supreme Court for that. He gave a talk afterwards on the steps. Really? Yeah. Where he was like getting to the media. To yeah, to 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 the public and uh, that's you know, great. There's a bunch of people and rainbow flags and bullhorns and yelling at him. Yeah, like you could barely make out what he's saying because they're being completely rude and disrespectful. Of course. So these this Supreme Court is like it's just both sides. You have 40 minutes, and Each then side they're gonna, half hour. Yeah, and they're going to discuss it for months after that. Yeah. And they're going to write opinions and then write opinions back at each other. And then they're going to add new stuff to their opinions. So one of the good arguments that the, the lawyer for the funeral home made is, listen, this is not simply because. So the lawsuit, the basis of the lawsuit is we need a little bit of background. He, they are, the dude is arguing that 
this violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Title VII says that you cannot discriminate on the basis of gender, (coughs) race, national origin, uh, ethnicity, um, religion, age, or sex. Mm -hmm. Sex is one of the categories. And he says, this is discriminating me because of sex. Sex doesn't include homosexuality. There's There's another case that they heard the same day earlier that was about homosexuals claiming the same. They got fired because they were gay. And so they're trying to make sex, which is not what Congress meant in 1964. Yeah. They didn't mean gay dudes. They didn't mean transgenders. They meant you're treated differently in the workplace because you're a woman or because you're a man. So this dude is arguing, if I was a woman, I would be allowed to wear these things. But because I was born a man, I'm not allowed to wear these things. That's discriminatory. So his, and, and actually his lawyer's argument is he is a woman. So... The fact that he was assigned, because that's the language that they use. They don't say born. They say assigned. Yeah. Assigned male at birth, doesn't. you're discriminating against him based on that assignment of sex. So the lawyer for the funeral home made a, a really strong argument. He said, look, if you accept the other side's position, that means that a man, and he never budged from the fact that that guy is a man. He said a man, born male, genetically male, biologically male, can go and get hired at a woman's shelter for women that have been abused, raped, whatever. Mm-hmm. Not only that, you have to allow him to live there because they have overnight uh, mm-hmm. people that, that staff, access to the bathrooms, to the shower facilities. And these are women that are traumatized by what happened to them at the hands of a man. Yeah. And now you're saying that you have to let a man be there because yeah. he says he's a woman. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, well, there's, a, there's something called the bona fide occupational exception, right? Qualification exception. So if you have a bona fide occupation, so like firemen. Yeah. If you're a firefighter, you have to be able to carry 70 pounds on your shoulders. Uh-huh. Part of the job. Yeah. So if it's not discriminatory to have that rule. If women can, if a woman can do it, great. If she can't, too bad. There's men that can't do it. Yeah. But it is. It doesn't matter if it impacts women differently. It doesn't matter. So they were like, well, can't, won't the BFOQ get rid of that, that exception? And he's like, no, no, no. Because you can't say that he's a man. If you accept this position... There is no qualification. Oh, it's a bona fide occupational qualification that you're a man. You yeah. can't work here. Only women can do this. Yeah. Because he's saying he is a woman, so now you have to accept that he's a woman. True. So even 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 Sonia Sotomayor, who's yeah. very lefty, she was like, it's a very powerful example. <laughs> it's, like, it's like she didn't know what to say about it. Because, yeah. like, what are you going to do? Like, this is what they're arguing yeah. for. I'm a woman. You just have to accept it. Yeah. You have to accept it if you're crying because you just lost your two-year-old child. You have to accept that this dude in lipstick is ushering In front you. of you. Yeah. yeah. And, and causing a spectacle. Yeah. You have to accept that if you're a woman that was just raped, you have to accept that this guy is a woman. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's insanity. I'm telling you, it's, it's an asylum. Which brings us to this next portion, which is that Beto O'Rourke said, if you do any of this, if you say any of this, if you behave in this way and you're a religious institution, your tax-exempt status should go out the window. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, he's saying, if you mis- if you in any way discriminate against gay people or transgender people, and that's the basis of your so-called discrimination. So, like, you run a school and or, – or the best example, which is direct quote from him, is if you're a charitable organization, religious organization that facilitates adoption of children. Because mm-hmm. that's what charities do, right? Yeah. You see children, they're orphaned. You run an organization. You put your own donor money in there to try to help these children find homes with loving parents. This is the very definition of what religious people should be doing is caring for the most needy. Yeah. And you're doing it on your of your own volition. And the only thing you're asking for the government is don't tax us. Yeah. 
don't on top of that hit us with 20 30 percent because we're not profit yeah don't steal we're from us while we're trying to help people yeah. and we're doing it from donations yeah. and we're a religious organization we should be exempt from that yeah. beto is saying well if they won't let two dudes adopt that kid then we're taxing then they should be taxed because they yeah. they have a belief that is different from my belief and this is really about belief. That's what it is. Yeah. It's really about belief. Yeah. Because it's not even, there's no medical proof, there's no scientific proof. None of this is actually scientific or empirical. Yeah. This is just politics and their iman. They believe that gay people should be treated a certain way. Yeah. And so that's what they want. And they want to remove other people's ability to believe what they believe. And the thing is, when you have uh, certain religions, like, uh, I mean, any religion, you're, when you have youth groups, right, and you hire youth mentors, they're expected to mentor with the values of that faith right. right and that religion so he's basically stopping that essentially right so you're you're actually going totally against the whole function and purpose of the, it is going to c- clash eventually at some point with the very function and purpose of the thing if you have a jewish uh, uh one of these jewish orphanages they're going to look for jewish families right that's right. the whole point of it is to continue their their tradition right so and- if a muslim family went in what do you think they're going to do with that? I mean, they're 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 they might not explicitly tell you that they're going to uh, you know that you can't do right. this, but they'll put your file somewhere and forget about it, right? Well, the thing is, some of these organizations that will be targeted by this, they don't even go that far. Mm. Like, take Catholic charities; they'll just facilitate adoption. Yeah, they'll go. I don't care if this kid is from a Hindu background, a Muslim background, a Christian background. I don't care what the parents are. Mm-hmm. These are we just we just want to place them in a good home. Yeah. And our you know there's orphans of every background. We're just here to do charity mm. because we believe that God has ordered us to do good things, and so we want to get these kids in a nice, safe environment, a loving home, rather than in an orphanage. And according to Beto's position, Beto O'Rourke's position, they got to lose their tax exempt status if they won't do it to if they won't. Uh, like gay, gay dudes, two yeah. gay dudes or two lesbians or whatever it is, adopt these kids. Yeah, and I mean it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous, oh, and he's he's grabbing for whatever he can get right now because he's totally sinking. By the way, it's actually also yeah, that's right. He's free now to say yeah. whatever he really believes yeah. because he knows he's not he's not going to win the nomination. Yeah. The other thing is one of the other things he mentioned was if a school excludes students on this basis. I mean, I don't think that if you have a, like a high school and you have a teenager that says they're a lesbian or something. You shouldn't kick them out of your school. Actually, you should imp- try to help them. Yeah, but that's irrelevant because schools, religious schools, are allowed to discriminate mm-hmm. on every other basis, just not this one. Yeah. So this is actually, it's extra more. It's extra special status. Yeah. It's the highest special <laughs> status that you can have because you can have a Muslim school. You know, if you know any man, right? Yeah. They could tell non-Muslims that they can't attend. Mm. They probably won't. Yeah. Like if you want to send your kid there, Catholic schools let anybody come. But, but they could technically legally they can and oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. yeah because you're it's a religious school it's a religious school you yeah. have the right to exclude ki- kids from your school yeah. you can do that you can be like well it's only for Jewish kids yeah so you can't it's only for Jewish kids sorry yeah. we don't want you here if you're not Jewish um or you're not Muslim or you're not Catholic whatever they could do that they don't generally most most religious schools don't but they can his position is sure but not if you're again not, not if you don't want a gay kid in here yeah. and I mean there might be some circumstances. Like, say you're a Muslim school, and this kid comes now, you know, uh, at Nan, and he wants to wear hijab and makeup. Yeah. You have to allow that? (laughs) 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 Like, he's 17 years old, and he's in the same school as little kids, some of them. And and now now the 13, 14, 15-year-olds have to see, uh, you know, their older uh, community member at Nan dressing up like a girl. And, and then you have the opposite, too. Oh, yeah. The girls will be like, I know that there's a hijab dress code in the school, yeah. but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dude. Okay. 
So I'm going to wear shorts when we play gym, and I'm not going to wear yeah. hijab, and I'm going to wear T-shirts and, you know, whatever else. I'm going to wear the guys' uniform, and I'm going to go to – and I want to play gym with the guys. And and I want to go to the guys' locker room. He's going to make do with them too. Yeah, I'm going to the guys' locker room. Yeah. Make you at your calf with them too. Swim time. Unbelievable. If you have a pool in the school, swim time. Swim time is, you know, I'm a, I am I know, I'm I'm Yusuf, but I'm swimming with the girls. <laughs> First of all, that kid yeah. would get murdered by every father. <laughs> yeah. But you should be able to just set some limits and not have the federal government go, well, that doesn't make you a religion anymore. We got we to gotta keep these people, uh, these people got to be kept so in check. Who's keeping them in check? Not even the Muslims. Not even the Muslims. And, you know, this this will this will bring us to, to to the last uh, main topic that I had, which was, you know, we were talking that uh, online recently about not specifically targeting uh, <coughs> individual Muslims who you might have some problem with, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was uh, uh, Justin Abu Abu Amina. I never knew who he was, by the way. I thought he was a Pakistani brother from England nice. this whole time. He's a white dude. I never knew this, right? I thought I his I, name is uh, Justin Parrott. I think I never name. knew this because I thought he was a Pakistani brother from England, right? Yeah. So, uh, but. Uh, yeah, go the on. way he writes Ilyas, right? Yeah, With that's e. what it is. It's yeah, the e. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Yeah. So um, he he said something. That's he said something like, um, "Going forward, I'm not." Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact words, but something like I'm not being aggressive with actual individual Muslims. If they've harmed me, I'll, uh, maybe on the day of judgment, I'll I'll have my recompense. But I'm not going at them, no matter what they do or say to me, yeah. or what they do and say in the community. And I think it's 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 admirable. Um, and I believe Sheikh, you said that you agreed with that. Yeah. And I responded to you, and my response was, I mean, I I support it. Yeah. But I know I'm I'm very <laughs> likely to break it, so I'm not pledging myself to something. Yeah. Knowing that I'm not going to fulfill it. To, so if I'm not fulfilling it and it's wrong to not fulfill it, on top of that, I'm breaking my pledge. Yeah. So I'm just I'm well, I'm going to work on myself first. Well, it's also uh, there is even a, a, a another point that there is no pledge on something that Allah Taala has already committed, right? Having good manners with your brothers. There's no pledge. Yeah. So the even the word was maybe even a misnomer. It should be just like we're re- re- revising, yeah, right? Yeah. Or re- reviving or reminding ourselves. Like you know, like let's take a pledge to pray five times a day. Like wait a second. You're not bind bound by that. It's meaningless because Allah already commanded you. So a pledge is is on a halal thing. Let's all pledge to um, not uh, text while driving. Yeah. You could have a pledge like that, right? Because that's not you know part of the deen per se. So it's more like renewing your intentions. It's really renewing our attention. And the reason I say this is actually very important because when you pledge something that is already in the deen, it's as if you're saying that your commitment to now to us as a group is weightier than your commitment to Allah Ta'ala. Right. So the, it, really the idea is is just to revive it amongst ourselves because it is something that I think has died out. Mm. And there's too much infighting and all this, like there's no point in even like, I know that, uh, you know, there's no point in beating around the bush. Everyone's talking about uh, Daniel's going hard on Omar Suleiman and Yaqeen Institute, right? And I know we talk about uh, not mentioning names, but we're just mentioning names because we all know what this is what we're talking about. And we're not putting anyone down. Right? I'm not right. putting anyone down here. I know that Daniel was concerned about uh, the issue of uh, Muslims supporting, uh, you know, LGBT rights, but whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but at the same time, some of the things as well got a bit nasty. And I mean, the putting the flag, the LGBT flag next to Omar Suleiman's name repeatedly in articles and next to Yaqeen's name is, um, you know, that's something I would take an issue with, right? Because, you know, okay, you think that he's intentionally trying to do something wrong. That's actually one of the uh, questions when we when we get to this. Uh, is it something, 
one of when you assess something, are you someone intentionally doing something wrong? If they're intentionally doing something wrong, they're an enemy of religion, right? If they're made a, a bad judgment call, right, and you disagree with their judgment call, then at that point, uh, there's going to be uhua rules taking a play taking play. Uh, and when I say rules, I mean guidelines and principles. So we should observe those. And I felt some of that was a little bit lost, right? To be honest, uh, you know, I, I felt the mood was so, na- so, so, you know, nasty that uh, this type of pledge needed to be, not pledge, but this type of reminder needed to be brought up. And look, you can conflict with people. You're going to have differences with people. Have the difference, but keep this in mind as well. And oftentimes when you, uh, when I'm saying this is what I'm about to read. The whole theme here is that al-Muslimu akhul Muslim, and this comes in a big hadith. It says, لا تحاسدوا, don't have envy from one another. ولا تناجشوا, don't hike up prices by bidding against one another. Right? Okay. Uh, so that means like if I know that you want to buy something, I'm going to go in and offer a bigger price just to force you to pay more. Mm-hmm. Right? So then uh, the guy knows, oh, there's a market for this. So, not to inter- is it's okay to try to outbid someone? You can try to outbid someone legitimately. Legitimately, yeah. like I see you, you're selling your car. Tom goes and goes. I'll give you five thousand, mm-hmm. and I go, man, I really like that car. I'll give you fifty five hundred. Yeah, that's legit. But not just to, not just because I want to see Tom suffer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> companies all the time they don't want something, and they would say, hey, let's talk. Maybe I can pick that up for like ten thousand, right? Or ten million. These these are big companies, right? Ten million. Yeah. Then he knows that there's a market for ten million in his mind, so he's going to charge the real buyer minimum ten million. There's a TV show where people used to do go to auctions yeah. to bid on whatever it was, and there was guys whose strategy was to upbid mm-hmm. the com- the competition on something they didn't want, mm-hmm. so that guy would have to spend That's all his exactly money. That's exactly it. And then yeah. he wouldn't have money to go and bid on the item that yeah. he did want. Exactly. So this is exact. Oh, that that's a that's the game they played. So you you basically you make that guy spend all his money on. on you know money. he really wants this chair. Yeah. Okay. You bid on it, knowing that you're, you're going to drive him up until he gets he's lost his whole bank. So now when the table comes up, yeah, he's not going to have enough. To I got you. To you. I got you. Yeah. So this is haram. Prophet said and prohibit because you're it's harm. It's all about harm, right? right. Uh, don't hate one another. Look how general this is, right? So is there well, like parameters? So the question is, when you come upon these things, does it does it feel loving? <laughs> does the environment that we're creating feel good, or does it feel hateful? So it's really a, a judgment call, and it goes back to our, our own intentions. And then, and that's why, whenever situations get like this, what do you do? You go look at the pious. What is the opinion of the pious and the scholars on this? Because they're most likely going to have, or you know, a clear judgment on the matter. Or you just go look at the general body of people. At this point, on these vague, not to say vague, but judgment call matters, we go by the phrase, the tongues of the people are sometimes the pens of the truth, right? Because the Prophet used to ask many times, what do you say about so-and-so? They say, we, we wouldn't marry our daughter to him, right? He's not a good man. And what do you say about so-and-so, right? We, we would love him, right? We, he's good. Now, sometimes the Prophet said, sometimes they were, uh, that's actually not a good example because that was the example of the opposite. Right, that's of the opposite, right. uh, because one was arrogant and the other was poor. But that was very early on in Medina. He's teaching them: don't go by the outside only. Right. But there is other examples when the Prophet said them about someone who died. They said, "What did you say about him?" They said, "Nothing but good." He said, "Wajabat," meaning paradise. So if you notice, why is there both exist? Both exist because one audience is still learning, 
they're judging by the outward. Well, if you fast forward in the sirah, the prophet's then taking the judgment of the people who are judging properly full a full life. And really said Paris is obligatory, right? Obligatory. So based upon their judgment. In other words, that that's a big that's a big statement. It's a huge statement because clearly the man uh, had did not do public evils. Because if he did public evils, you would have heard about it mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have said anything good. So they didn't hear about public evils from the man. So therefore, he kept his sins private. That by itself is a good deed, right? Mm-hmm. Is earned you forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Point being, when you, you look around the elders, the wise, and you and you try to get a litmus test from them too, okay? So, don't have hateful relations. Don't hate. This is very important. Tadabaru is to turn your back on someone. And the tafasir also say to turn your hearts back on someone. In other words, to cut them off with your heart. This is so subtle. I mean, this is so subtle. Don't cut them off with your heart. Right? Don't turn your back. Now, you could stay away from someone. Right? You can stay away from somebody. You don't have to. Someone recently asked me, uh, my cousin harms me. Do I have to go? No, you don't have to. Say salam. If he, if he, if he, if he says salam, you can say welcome salam. If he's sick, visit him. If he dies, pray upon him. Right. If he invites you for a wedding, attend the wedding, smile and, and go into the hallway. Right. So but you don't have to go hang out with him. You don't have to be with anyone you don't want to be. Right. I mean, people ask me questions all the time. I'm not obligated to answer anything. Right? <laughs> right? So next. Don't try to outbid someone when they're close to the deal. So once they're close to the deal and they're about to, then don't do that. Don't try to outbid him. You can outbid in the beginning, but not when they're close to the deal. Be servants of Allah as brothers, as brothers, all right? So we have to honestly ask ourselves these questions. Am I treating this person as a beloved brother, okay? Because we all know when going gets tough, if one of us had an awkward situation, right? And I, let's say, may Allah protect us all, but one of us in the community, in the group, in the podcast or whatever, uh, something got in his head and he started going crazy, right? And started doing something stupid. In what manner will we deal with the person, right? It's going to be very gentle, very calm, yeah, right? Of course. Someone recently gave me a piece of advice, he says, and he said he began with a smile on his face and he said, Wallahi, without any judgment, right? And he said, someone brought up that you did X, Y, and Z, right? And uh, there may be a problem with this, right? I was like, subhanAllah. I'm accepting. When he came at me with that, I was like, whatever he says right now, I'm accepting it. Just because of that manner, whatsoever he comes with, there's not going to be a quarrel because I sensed actual genuine love, right? Now, this is where the problem of the internet comes along because you can't really express that same genuine love with smiles and, and putting your hand on someone's back or on their shoulders. Or the way you give salams, you can't transmit that, right? right? So it is problematic. And I was guilty of that too. I'm not innocent of that. But anyway, kunu ibad Allahi ikhwana. And I'm telling you, we have the ability to do something that doesn't exist somewhere. We have the ability to have a group of people on Twitter who are facing issues on whatever uh, forum who have mahabba for one another. Okay? And that's, that's going to be an ayah of Islam. And we discuss tough topics. Mm-hmm. Like I agree with Jonathan Brown's position. Uh, or Dr. Jackson, or maybe I don't know if Yasir Qadi, someone attributed that position to him. Right? I don't agree with that. I'm going to fight it till the death, but I'm friends with them, right? Why? Because it's a mas'ala of fiqh. It's right. not a mas'ala of deen, of aqidah, I mean. It's deen, not of aqidah, not outside of Ahl-Sunnah, right? Okay. 
And if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, because maybe they're listening to this episode three years later or something, uh, we're talking about this idea of politically supporting the LGBT. Right. All right. And, you know, from the position of a layperson, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I saw uh, Dr. Brown's article, I didn't find it persuasive at all. Mm-hmm. And I actually wrote something to him about it. Mm-hmm. But then when when he was visiting New Jersey and we came and we saw him and we hosted him at the masjid, and I treated him like my senior in knowledge, which he is. Yeah. So, like... Even at that level, right? Like, I don't agree with it, and I I stated I stated my points to him. But then after that, you're still superior to me in knowledge, and I have to admit it, and I have to I have to behave accordingly. I can't be like to to for a layperson to be disrespectful. One of the to, to to people that are scholars. One of the things is that one of the reasons that Islam has this continuity over centuries and decades is we have uh, we have parameters on when someone's you owe him the rights of ukhuwa and when you cut him off. Right. We have parameters, logical, rational parameters, right? And making a f- error in fatwa, right, or in judgment call is not. M- if he turns around and he said, "I'm now an Ismaili, I'm now a Fatimid, I'm now," yeah, then you're out. Yeah, then we're. <laughs> I, um, and I've made that clear. To, to, I'll throw you out of my house. Yeah, from the get go, right? <laughs> because that's something that, if if he was a Christian and never changed his religion, it'd be easier, right? So, because now you're fuzzying the lines. In any event, now, Al-Muslimu Akhul Muslim. The Prophet repeats it now. Be servants of Allah as brothers. The Muslim is the brother to another Muslim. Okay? I liked what Sheikh Hamza Bull said when he said, uh, Ummah is like your family. You don't have to like them, but you have to love them. Right? And he said... It's a, quote, it's a good quote from it's him. It's a good quote. From who? It's a good quote from him. Yeah, it's a yeah. good quote. La yavlimuhu. He doesn't oppress him. Of course. وَلَا يَخْذُلُهُ يَخْذُلُهُ is that you see he needs help and you abandon him so you can watch cinema and watch him drown. Right? You make him a theater. Watch him drown. Right? Allah watch him drown. Right? And that's this is something really important. You got to, you know, say something when someone's being oppressed. وَلَا يَكْذِبُهُ Okay? He does not, this could be either lies to him or accuse him of lying. Right? وَلَا يَحْقِرُهُ He does not belittle him. And this is why I said belittling and mocking. Careful now, like we're supposed to be, a, Allah's watching. See, this is not like any other profession where let's just go and, and, and do what we have to do and he's a jerk. And but If you look at when people talk shop, that's how they talk, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you talk with your lawyer friend and your judge, I'm sure positive that you guys talk shop sometimes, right? Which yeah. means industry talk. In industry talk, it's all envy, right? <laughs> it's like, it's all envy. And you envy each other because everyone wants to do a good job. So you're like, okay, this guy is a jerk. This guy is on my side, right? You can't talk shop in the same way in Islam. I don't know, Sheikh. I feel like I never feel that way. Yeah. But I'm sure that people might feel that way about me. Yeah. You know, in the job. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't envy any of these dudes. <laughs> uh, when I was in uh, Virginia one time, a, sh- a Sheikh told me, it was Barzanji, and he told me a quote. He said, nobody has envy more than fuqaha to one another. He says, know. because they're speaking... You know, uh, on behalf of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the greatest possible job that you could have, uh, speaking on the behalf of God's law. So they want to do a better job than everyone else, right? And they don't want anyone to upend them. So the, he said the, the envy of them is worse than the envy of wolves, right? The hearts of wolves. Allah. So uh, mean, not, not to get all f- thick of the sawwaf on this. Yeah. There, there's permissible envy. Yeah. 
of which being knowledgeable is one. Yeah. So long as you don't dislike it for your brother. That's what right? it is. So as long as it doesn't lead to belittling of your yeah. brother. Like I wish I I was as knowledgeable as so and so. Yeah. Or more knowledgeable than him even. Yeah. I wish I was more knowledgeable than him. Even. Without wanting him to not be, without wanting him to be an ignoramus. Exactly. And there was one sheikh of Tasawwuf. He was going around from sheikh to sheikh to sheikh to sheikh. And he said he ended up with a formula. Anytime he'd go to a sheikh, if that sheikh belittled any other sheikh, he knew that that sheikh was deficient. Of course. Until he finally got to a sheikh who'd never belittled anyone, right? And actually elevated everyone. And he said, he must be the best one, right? He must be the one whose heart is pierced. So we have to re- re- bring that back. You cannot be someone who uh, tries to be in this dean and has that attitude. If you want to have that attitude, we're going to tell you who you can have that attitude with in a second. But belittling is something that is um, we have to look out for. It's not a good khuluq. And my, if you ever have kids and they fight one another, you're going to realize how, how much you hate it. right? And actually, believe it or not, there might be even a punishment for what I've done to people. And it, I, I've never had siblings because I didn't have a sibling. My sister was 10 years older, so I don't know what sibling rivalry is, right? So um, seeing sibling rivalry is very stressful. They are fighting over every inch. Wallahi azim, the first minute, I'm telling you, I can s- sniff the fight when it's coming. That's what it is. <laughs> Literally, if they share a geographical space and a, a minute goes by, there's going to be a fight. Right. Oh. Is this normal sibling rivalry? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know either because my brother's almost five years older than me. Okay, so and, that's quite a distance. And so we never had that at okay. all. Like we're not competing over anything. You know, five years when you're a kid is yeah, a world. It is. Yeah. So I'm five, he's 10. Yeah, there's no competition. He's 15 when I'm 10. Like yeah. it just. But when you're having 10 and 11 and a half, yeah, right? I don't know what that's like. There's yeah. war, right? So if you realize how upsetting it is now... Every Muslim in the sight of the Prophet sallallahu Prophet says many times, like, I'm like your father, right? Or if he's saying, Al-Muslim, Al-Muslim, who's the father of the Muslims, right? So I'm certain the Prophet sallallahu alayhi would not like this, right? He would not want to see his ummah fighting. And before anybody takes objection, yeah. uh, exception with what you just said, Sheikh, like, his wives are our mothers. Mm-hmm. So, so there, that's we're, we're, we're not creating, we're not... It's exactly. not a bit nice, so yeah. shut up. <laughs> so the idea of fa- this, this analogy of father and it's mother, yeah. if there are mothers, then what is he? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So is, again, there's one thing to forbid the wrong, but with what attitude? Okay, with what attitude? At-taqwa So now he's telling us what is the cure for this. If you don't, if you lack any of these, then what did he say? Taqwa is here in the hearts, right? And this is also something else too, that why are you bothered by the outward of someone? Worry about taqwa, which you don't know who has his taqwa worry about your own taqwa right so if you're upset you have envy because he has a better business that he's more famous that he's this that or the other okay uh taqwa is what's important and taqwa is inside the hearts and he points to his heart three times saying that well you don't know what taqwa he has so he's it's the the emphasis of taqwa here has two purposes that if you can't fulfill this fix your own taqwa and if you're still envying and having all these things then you're envying for the wrong reason the real value is taqwa and you don't know who has what Taqwa's in the heart. He continues. بِحَسْبِ امْرِئِ مِنَ الشَّرِّ Oh my gosh. And يَحْقِرَ أَخِيهِ الْمُسْلِمِ It's sufficient of evil for a person that you belittle and hate. الْحِقْرِ الْإِحْتِقَارِ And يَحْقِرَ is to belittle and to hate at the same time. Your Muslim brother. Okay. I'm telling you, when you sign up, you could be as gangster as you want. When you sign up for the Prophet on his, if we're going to use that language, tribe, in his team, in his group, 
There are some rules. Yeah. Okay. I to be honest with you, I, I love fighters. I love people who fight. I want right. I love watching, you know, tough people. But I can't change the facts that this is the rules of the game here, right? Suffer a lot to call it a game. But yeah, but you know what I mean? That's the analogy. That's it's the analogy. A, it's a figure of speech. Yeah, figure of speech. That the, this is the rules of engagement here. Yeah. You, if you're joining the Ummah Muhammad Sallallahu and you want to, to, to be a, a fighter and a, and a servant and like Nuruddin Zengi called himself a, a warrior dog, like a dog. He used to call himself the dog, right? For a couple of reasons because the dog is loyal. He's a fighter and, and to humble himself. Right. So I actually love that. If you want to be a junkyard dog for the Prophet Sallallahu right? And, 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 and a tough worker and a hard worker, there are rules of engagement and we can't change that. Okay. As much as uh, we might like the nature of, you know, this uh, burn culture, we are burning everyone, right? And we love burns, right? And we love these put downs, and it's funny, and that's the nature of the culture. But you can't do that with akhak al-Muslim. Kullu al-Muslimi ala al-Muslimi haram. Everything about the Muslim upon another Muslim is sacred or forbidden, right? Haram here meaning sacred or forbidden. Damuhu wa maluhu wa His blood, his wealth, and his reputation. Okay, so what you cause the reputation of someone to have, right? I'm, t- I'm giving an open advice to the people on Twitter. The reputation that I've seen that people are calling Jonathan Brown and 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 Shaykh Omar and Murtads, they're trying to bring it to, to to convince the Muslims to side. That's isn't that ayrt? What when did this start? Who is talking like this and when? They're talking like this in reaction to what Daniel wrote. So therefore, consider that. Yes, it's not you're in control, but think of what they're saying, right? They're saying that because they got that impression. Why did they get that impression, right? Think about why they got that impression. Is that true? We know that's not true from them. We know that they're not murtads. We know that they're not trying to bring uh, the LGBT into our world, okay? As a fact, right? They've said it many times. I don't, I wouldn't even, you know, uh, I wait you on Twitter, Twitter, Muslim Twitter people. I wouldn't even say that about People like Ilham Omar, yeah, or or any of the Muslim politicians who are taking ridiculously mm-hmm. unacceptable positions. Yeah. I'm not making fun of them, mm-hmm. and I'm not calling them kafirs. Yeah, not over not over something that's stupidity and sinfulness. Yeah, but it's not, and that's I'm talking about those those kind of people. I'm not talking about uh, Jonathan Brown or Marcelli Man. Yeah, but even from those people who it's outright. Oh, it's open, open it's in, in the there. Open. Yeah. I'm not calling them kafirs, and I'm not. And yeah. I'm not I'm not questioning the fact whether they're Muslim or not. Yeah. Like, you probably have uncles that are more sinful than that. It's not our spot. And nobody's walking around calling your uncle a kafir. Yeah. I mean, you might, and it, it probably would be more applicable to that dude. Yeah. So relax. Yeah, and, and it's not our spot. Yeah. You can call the act dancing at the march. You can say that act to dance at uh, a prohibition. Yeah, yeah. This is a, you could talk about the act. High level haram. Yeah. But to call a person a kafir is a big deal. Okay. And not just a kafir, a munafik, <laughs> because they still claim to be Muslims. Yeah. Like it, you're saying that they're 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 actually kafirs, but they pretend to be yeah. Muslims. Come on, man. Yeah. A, so when when you're looking at, you know, what are people saying as a result of my words? We got to take it. We got to think about that, right? Maybe there's something in my word that I intended, right, that didn't get across, or that I didn't intend and did get across. Okay. So we have to think twice about these things. Uh, and you, you know, usually our rule is we don't really mention names, but because I don't like this thing of faking. We all know what we're talking about. Right, so let's just bring it up. And I have no emotions negative to anyone, right? I have no negative. I'm not taking hits on anyone, right? I'm not hitting anyone. And actually, if people want to send hits on me, if they're a Muslim, I'm not hitting back, 
That's also one of the rules of engagement, right? And one brother said, no, I'm hitting back whoever it is. A kafir or a Muslim. Wait a second. No, Muslim's not like a kafir, right? No. You have to have sabr with a Muslim and yet to hamad al Muslim, right? Whereas you might not have to have that, take that nonsense from an enemy of religion, but you might have to take it from your Muslim brother. I'm not going to go down that if they want to uh, call those names. I'm not going to go. It's not like toughness. I'm not going to be a tough guy with some kid on Twitter who has got like uh, two followers, right? He can call me what he wants. And by the way, even the, pe the people who we're talking about who do these things, we're also not making, we're not disparaging you either. I'm you're not, just you're yeah. just another one of these people that's wrong. He's made a mistake. Yeah. Made a mistake. Okay. Hopefully you'll correct yeah. and hopefully the other people who are wrong will correct and you guys can be friends. Yeah, Shabab who are uh, jumping on the gun and, and, and doing these things, I'm sure that they care for the religion. They just... We need to learn how to care properly. Twitter should be hard with for anybody under 21. What I know. <laughs> now listen to this. In a number of ayat, I'm going to quote now uh, six ayahs before we get to the Twitter question. Five ayahs. Okay. In all these ayahs, we're going to find that Allah Ta'ala invokes mercy and compassion and humility when we deal with believers. And he, whenever he invokes sternness, strictness, fighting and roughness which he does ghilva means be, be rough mm -hmm. don't be soft right he specifies that they are the enemies of religion and the hypocrites meaning hypocrites meaning traitors meaning mm -hmm. they are making a deal with the enemy to harm you back and some have said they are the imams of bid'ah right in other words imam coming to change your religion and and by telling you a doctrine that is against what is explicitly known and no discussion on it Right, Sheikh, you know what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's, that's exactly what they're going to say. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. They're going to say so, that's who these people are. Yeah. So then we're then we're going to talk about what a kharaji is because if you're going to make a matter of fiqh into a matter of uh, a matter of judgment call and fiqh into a matter of aqidah, then you don't you're not educated, right? He, as LeBron said, they wasn't educated. You heard about that, right? <laughs> a lot of those people wasn't educated. Right? Yeah. Freaking LeBron, you, man. You, you saw that, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got a lifetime contract with Nike. Oh, my Like, God. lifetime. Gosh, wow. That means for the rest of his life. <laughs> it's like it's like a mortgage, but worse. I was not. I was Nike going to get out of that. I mean, they have to They have to put him in front of a mic and be like, listen, yeah. listen, listen. <laughs> the NBA loves China. Exactly. <laughs> and they make yeah. good sneakers. Yeah. So... أَذِلَّةٍ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عَيْزَةٍ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ Surah Al-Ma'idah right, Verse 54 أَذِلَّةٍ humble أَذِلَّةٍ Like meek right. Meek You want to be a tough guy Be a tough guy The rules of engagement Whether you like it or not In the tent of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Is what we're saying أَذِلَّةٍ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ You like it You don't like it Listen If you're an American tough guy You're going to go be a tough guy On the Iraqis On the Afghanis In the, in the army You're going to go be a tough guy On your fellow soldier Right Right you're supposed to be committed to life. Like those bonds that those like Marines and they have like 12 Marines and they send them, you know, in the middle of nowhere, right? The bonds between those guys is so strong, it actually resembles this Ukhuwa, right? And that's really what our bonds should be like. Adilla, meek with the Mu'mineen, you're supposed to like risk your life for them. Then you will be victorious over it. The, the actual, the, the description is uh, in order. So if you achieve this, then you'll be unified. And once you're unified, you'll be glorious and victorious. You're like, you're victorious. Over Next one. Strict with the enemies. Stern with the enemies. Which means not stern with the believers, right? right. Because he specified stern with the enemies. Full of compassion amongst themselves. That's Surah Al-Fatih. 
description of the Sahaba. Next one, Surah At-Tawbah has two ayahs. Jahid al-Kuffara wal-Munafiqeen. Fight hard against who? Kafirs and Munafiqs. Okay? Munafiq being, like we said, the traitors and the Imam of Mubtad, the Imams of Bidah. Right. right? Which are the, the known sects. Don't come into Ahl Sunnah and try to make sects, right? The known sects. Yeah. And, okay? and, and in this case, people who are fighting you. Yes. And, the, and they're advocating this sect. Right. Right? They're advocating this sect. They're pushing hard on this. And what he says, And be rough with them. You should have harshness with them. Why? Because what's the point of fighting if you're going to be smiling, right? No, you're supposed to be harsh, right? So therefore, actually, this is why I actually take the position, fraternizing and, and being soft with people who are advocating some sect or who are known traitors or enemies of Islam is actually sinful. Because you're giving them yourself and onlookers the opposite message the wrong message now you're gonna have like a guy like dawkins and we're gonna be nice to him after all he's done the days of niceness is over right you've been doing this for 30 years so okay next this actually same ayah comes in surah tahrim right all right be harsh with them so, which means, do not be harsh with the believers. Right. Because he specified, harshness is with them. Okay. Next, Fight those who are, you know, like, near you, who are trying to harm you, of the enemy. Kuffar in the Quran means enemy. It doesn't mean the random non-Muslim. This is something very important for people to know. In the books of Islamic law, kafir just means a non-Muslim. But in the Quran, in the Quran. Yeah. it means the enemy. Okay. قَاتِلُوا الَّذِينَ يَلُونَكُمْ مِنَ الْكُفَارِ وَالْيَجِدُوا فِيكُمْ غِرْضَةً And they should find inside of you, or in this experience, harshness. Okay? So again, you want to be a tough guy? Be a tough guy. I wish I, if I was, uh, if we had a perfect world, I'd love to join the army. I would love to join the army. Yeah. Right? Because I enjoy it. Right? But I'm not going to, uh, you know, in the absence of that, turn on anyone who disagrees with me or my, an opinion or what I think. And I'm telling you, just people just don't know. That's all it is. Like, they're trying to do good. But maybe, uh, like, they just didn't know something. And hey, if I was guilty of this in the past, then I should excuse everyone for being guilty of this. Right? right? So nobody should take this that we're taking an attack on anyone. I'm not attacking anyone. Right? And mostly, to be honest, be honest with you, it sounds crazy like we're on Twitter all the time, but mostly I'm actually uh, checked out of most things. It's very hard for people to see that because I'm like on Twitter all the time right. and in, involved with these. But emotionally and mentally, I'm totally checked out. <laughs> right? <If> anyone... <laughs> all right. So let's go to the Twitter questions. All right. So the Twitter questions, I'm going to take them. Uh, let's try to get the stuff that's uh, relevant first. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have a question from Maliki Click. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. It says, important to know the best way to weather social media without seeming to attack or insult. There are some genuine ignorant people out here running their mouths about Islam and misrepresenting Islam. I love this brother. Ali, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi So this the past few second segment where we just talked about this, a few minutes, we just talked about these ayahs. We got to embody it, right? We got to embody it. And this is tasawwuf. Right. This is checking your heart because... When the Prophet says, don't hate one another. I, I got to ask myself, am I hating right now? Then how do I do that? Well, who do I love? Well, I love so-and-so. Would you ever talk to so-and-so like that? Right? That, you have to make analogies like that. Right? All right, let's turn this around. You didn't know stuff at one point. I didn't know stuff at one point. 
Right. Would I want? How would I want the Prophet to talk to me? Right. Now imagine if the Prophet came and was harsh with you, you would have a mental breakdown, because this is your Prophet that you love, that you're doing everything for your Prophet right? And if this would never happen, because the Quran actually says that he does not possess. If he was right, غليظ القلب لم فضوا من حولك. لو كنت فضا if you were rough فضن غليظ القلب hard hearted لم فضوا من حولك. They would have left you. You would have no followers, right? So the Quran is basically telling us that he is never like that. So it's impossible. But let's say hypothetically, your most beloved Sheikh came to you and ripped you apart. How would you feel? You'd get like a mental breakdown. Yeah, it would right? be terrible. It would be terrible. I mean, my colleagues at uh, NBIC. If I found that they were talking about like this, I would just be like, what the heck's going on? I trusted these people, right? So forget that. These are just colleagues, right? Imagine now the people that you look up to. So that's how you judge it, right? And that's how you measure how to talk to people. Okay, Very good. Next. Next. Um, so this is from Nearhan. Who? Nearhan is his Twitter handle. Okay, fine. It's one of... I'm not uh, making fun of the name, just saying. No, no, he's no, a contributor. Okay. Um, it's one of Nazi's people's. Oh, okay. Is yeah. it a fake name or something? I mean, it's a screen name. Okay. So, uh, it says, Salam, I want to ask uh, for the podcast, what is uh, Dr. Shadi's opinion on the role of mocking and levity and disputes to set up some kind of counterculture? What would be some of the limits, benefits, pitfalls of such an approach to the awam or the scholarly class could apply to groups in and out of Islam, LGBT, atheists, Shias, extreme Sufis, Salafis, etc.? Uh, good question, and I would say, Wallahu ta'ala alam, that the specific individual who is a clear and unabashed enemy of Muslims, right, specific, if you're going to talk about him, like post something that he said and then reply to it, then possibly that mockery, belittlement, and all these things could apply to that specific thing, right? Whereas if you do it to a group, you might regret it later on, right? Right. And if you do it, and I, I regret certain things. I have a lot of regrets. I always trying to learn, right? So if you're trying to learn, you're going to have regrets. You have to be open about that, right? Like, uh, uh, I, I don't plan on going after, you know, people inside of Ahl Sunnah who I might disagree w- with what they're saying in the same harsh attitude. Um, uh, if you generalize, that's usually a problem. Like, you're going to generalize, make fun of some religious group. What happens if, like, we're, we're living amongst them? What happens if your boss is one of them, Right. Next thing, and he listens to your podcast, and he w- looks at your Twitter handle, right? You're going to have to become a monafic type person and have a fake Twitter handle, right? And and live a double life. Right. Muslims doesn't have to live a double life, right? right? So, uh, No, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'd get fired. Huh? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd get fired but if you're saying, listens you, to my podcast. But you're saying legitimate stuff, right? Yeah. Like, you're not you're not taking a fake podcast, a fake handle to curse people that no, you have no. to smile to. No, of right? course not. So it, to generally mock... A, By the way, a, I don't curse people anyway. So. Yeah. To generally mock or whatever, you just have to... It's a judgment call. But I think that um, if it's a specific individual who's an enemy of Islam, that's a different story, I think. Allah ta'ala. Like, like uh, Stephen Pinker. Like Stephen Pinker. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Pinker, Dawkins, Harris, these people. Yeah. Okay. Next. Right. Next is... Uh, Different methods in which to give dawah to co-workers, i.e. through actions, character discussions, or debates, etc., and how to set up such conversations. At this work? This is from Ali. Ali bin Saad? No, someone else. Okay. Um, at yeah, he w- said it specifically work. At work, you're paid to work. You're not paid to do dawah. Don't go do dawah at work. Right. Even, even on your breaks. Even on your breaks. Did your boss ask you to do that? If you had a company, do you want someone coming to do dawah? Right? 
like you're paid to work. Right. So do it, give da'wah with your akhlaq and that's it. With, right. You're not obligated either. Like if I, if I'm if someone hires me to go and you know um, file some files, okay, and I'm filing next to Smith and John and Timmy, uh, we don't need to talk about Islam. I'm there to file. Right. You 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 just file your files and don't run your mouth and try to be a hero. Okay. File your files. Right. So what I w- what I will say, you're absolutely right, Shane, yeah. and I agree with that 100. percent What I will say is, if you develop a friendship with someone at work, right. Yeah. And for anybody that's listening that doesn't actually already know this, it's halal to be friends with non-Muslims, mm-hmm. right? That's not what that ayah means. Yeah. So you develop, somebody is, you know, you guys share interests, you're, you get along well, you just personalities match. You know, it goes back to the, to the hadith of the souls knowing each other before creation and then having an affinity for one another in, in creation, all of that, right? Then develop a friendship and then when you're hanging out outside of work, you can you can talk all you want outside the yeah. job. Once once five o'clock comes and you punch out, hold yeah. on, get off his property first, and then talk what you want. By the way, you know what's the best dawah that I've ever seen is bringing someone who's not Muslim around a lot of Muslims, mm-hmm. practicing Muslims. Yeah, don't bring him to hang out in the shisha spot with guys that have girlfriends. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> bring him around your practicing Muslim friends and just let him socialization. That's socialization. It. Yeah. yeah, it's it's actually oh, super it's effective. Oh, the best dawah because uh, when you see. The things in these hadith, that's why. Yeah. That no one's backbiting here. People are sharing, right? This yeah. is something different, right? And and it's nice. And most people, they join groups because it feels right, more so than the idea is right. Yeah. And a last point is that um, don't, uh, it's not from Islam really to take a, a type of approach where I'm going to get close to this person. That's step one, right? Step two, I'm going to invite him. <laughs> step three, if, if they ever discover that, your friendship was not a genuine friendship, right? Mm-hmm. That there was a motive behind it. Even it's the best motive, right? Right. But so, it shouldn't be a motive. It shouldn't yeah. be treated as a motive. It should be genuine. And just be yourself and have people around Muslims. And it's the best thing. Well, this is why I started my thing with if you become friends with someone. Yeah. Like that's that's that has to happen first. Yeah. You have to actually be friends with them. Like uh my beloved friend Andrew. Yeah. Um, we were just friends. We worked together at a job and we just got along. We like the same kind of jokes. We just, our personalities really matched. And I didn't talk to him about, I talked to him about being Muslim, like very, but I didn't talk to him about you should be a Muslim or yeah. why are you a Christian or why you're not practicing or anything really, none of that until yeah. many years later. Um, because we were just friends. I just liked him as a person. Yeah. And this, when the, when a community has this ethic, it's really good too. We, we had a girl, she was a bit like sort of lonely and she ended up asking about Islam. She, she Googled the masjid. She came to the masjid as a high school. She didn't really have many friends, right? Mm-hmm. But in the masjid, people welcomed her and were nice to her and smiled. And we had food. And, and just that's what that's one of the best, the tarbiyah of the Prophet, yeah. right? That's what we are. We sit in a simple, simple building. We eat food, right? We smile at each other. We don't get involved in people's business, right? And have genuine emotions towards one another. And she just loved it, right? Mashallah. She just kept coming back. She never took shahada. She just, she just hangs out, right? And I don't even know if she knows what shahada is, right? But she, uh, <laughs> she, she, she comes in, she wears her hijab, she even stands on the prayer line, right? But she just loves to be around, uh, yeah. around the Muslims. So that's really what it is. Be a genuine person and hang out with people. And it's a type of sadaqah too when people are lonely. Good. Alhamdulillah. Okay. All right. Next. Uh, next from uh, Brother Moses, screen name Charlemagne. Why aren't Muslim-run private schools using better curricula for teaching, i.e. a traditional liberal arts curricula? like many private Catholic schools. This is coupled with a strong foundation in Islamic studies, 
No, this coupled with the strong foundation of Islamic studies would be similar to the Madaris of our past thoughts, as opposed to extremely low quality education provided by public school common core curricula. Uh, if I might take a quick stab at this, Sheikh, I agree with this. I think that one of the biggest drawbacks of Muslim private schools is that they just copy the terrible curricula that's out there. There is very little good education in terms of like the subject matters, right? It's good to have your kids in a Muslim environment, et cetera. But in terms of what they're learning as far as it's whether you send them to a private school, um, a typical private school, a public school, or Muslim private school, the education itself is pretty it's pretty it's pretty low grade. So look at what the what schools rich people send their kids to, right? Like mm -hmm. Exeter Academy, et cetera. Those kind of schools you're actually learning something. Like, what's the difference? Like the like the type of school that uh, Jack Brown said he went to. Okay. Right when he was a kid. Yeah. Like people who know what a good education is will send their kids to schools where you're not being taught to respond to a bell for you know start and end time of your factory line work. Mm. You're not raising your hand to ask permission if you can fulfill bodily normal functions. Are you mm. treated like a responsible person? Um, one of the things that Exeter does is they have like these round tables where you sit with your teacher and the other students and you actually discuss things. Mm. You're expected to have done your, your work ahead of time and then you come in and you discuss this. Like traditional type of learning, uh, they actually teach Latin and Greek and they teach the classics. Um, they don't sit around for... Look, when I went to high school, I went to public school. I had, two year, I had to do two years of math, just two years. Two years of science, which I took two lab sciences, but you could have taken geology, mm -hmm. right? Or um, biological issues. Right. <laughs> four, four years of English, good. Two years of social studies, which could be history, sociology, whatever. And four years of gym. Yeah. You can't graduate with four years of gym. <laughs> this is a terrible curriculum. Now, uh, I don't know much about curriculums, to be honest with you. Um, but there was a school recently that uh, I came to learn about where they didn't have classrooms. They had living rooms. Mm -hmm. Everything was based on a living room, right? And you sat there however you sat and then you had these discussions, right? Uh, so, I mean, there's all sorts. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't. I'm not a curriculum guy. Yeah. But I trust what you're saying. And um, yeah, I mean, the schools. My, my wife is a school teacher, so I can yeah. say this with insider knowledge. Schools are designed to get people to be efficient workers, and that's probably fine for. That's probably. I'm not. I'm not even gonna argue that it doesn't make sense. I guess if you're running a if you're running a country and you're providing education. In a, which is very communistic anyway. Yeah. But if the government is providing the education for everyone, they're going to try to build workers. True. Now they want workers that know how to code, so they're teaching kids how to code. Yeah. But it's just factory work. Yeah. Whether you're doing it at a cubicle or you, you were doing it at a, you know, at a drill press, it's factory work. Yeah. And that's what you're training the kids for. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it, it, would be, it would be good if Muslim schools that are being paid a lot of money at least bother to invest in a more advanced curriculum. Like the type of stuff that Sheikh Hamza talks about for the homeschool curriculum, yeah. some of that could be pulled into the schools. See, what I look at is that uh, you have you're, you got to look at the economics too, right? Who's going to be able to teach those things? Uh, you got to look at the salaries. You got to look at the endowments, and you got to look at time. So all these things are connected. When I say time, I mean in order for an endowment to mature, schools don't run on tuition. Tuition yeah. covers like a couple bills. Right. But they run on endowments. And when I say endowments, that means time. We're talking, 40, see, some of these are like 100, 200 years old endowments. Yeah, yeah. That means that these people are, uh, I actually heard one time that there's as many people in some of these private schools th that run the endowments as teach the classes. Think about that. Yeah, for sure. All right? They run the endowments, and that's a lucrative job. 
So because they're earning commission or right. something. I don't know how yeah. everyone's different, but they're earning on a commission. Okay, so they're making tons of money. He may not even care about education, right? He might not even know what's going on. In no, the, he's in the a, he's a financial guy. He's a finance guy who knows how to make investments and make money for you guys. So when we look at these schools, you got to look at it that, I mean, what is the oldest Islamic school? We use Islamia primary school, Yusuf Islam, 1983 or 84 or something, right? So we're talking how many years is that? 30 something. 30 Some of these schools are still paying for the building, right? They don't right. have a building. So you got to have be, be patient. But if you really care about this, don't go the education route. Go the finance route, right? If you go the finance route of things, you could, you know, facilitate to, to, to have these have these things. Yeah. I mean, how many people know about, uh, in any profession, how many people know about the actual profession versus uh, the back end that goes on, right? The back end is really where organizations and, and stuff that's where they win that's 100 percent true right so that's really where we gotta like people ask me what i do for i can't explain it yeah <laughs> like I, I can't tell it would take it would take actually like a full work day for yeah. me to explain to you what it is that i actually do at work <laughs> and I, you would think that you know what goes on but you have no idea yeah. you just see you just see the yeah you just see the what veneer. happens you, go, yeah. you walk in the courtroom and you see something happen exactly that's once a week fridays yeah. what happened the rest of the week yeah you have no idea exactly yeah Okay. All right. Cool. So the next one is uh, from Mahmoud. Mm-hmm. At I'm loading. Mm-hmm. Any recommended classes or books about Salah, specifically how to improve uh, concentration and ways to beautify it? Oh, yeah. There is Inner Dimensions of Islamic Worship by Imam al Ghazali. Also, Ibn al Qayyim has one of those too. So, both Imam al Ghazali and Ibn al Qayyim al Jawziyah, they both have books on the inner dimensions of Islamic worship. And it all has to do with that. Uh, uh, you could say like rudimentary um, spirituality and tasawwuf and basics uh, that are really the most important things but it's the fundamentals those things I All tagged right. you on a question did you get that by the way from from Twitter yeah uh, let me go look because someone asked me a question I think maybe they're trying to ask you but I tagged you on it I just have a bunch of stuff from Akbar Zab, who, by the way, when I go to England, I'm going to... Oh, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to wrestle him. Uh-huh. He likes wrestling. He's going to... Oh, he likes what? what uh, where is he from? England. Oh, he's not... Is he, like, Caucasian from the Caucasus? Because no. they love... They no, love... No, he's uh, uh, Ecuadorian and Desi, I think. Oh, I thought he liked, like, in, in the sense that, he, you know, they love uh, the Caucasian guys. Yeah. The, the Caucasus guys. Yeah, the Dagestan and all those places. Yeah. Um... From Alice McPickle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Salam Sheikh. Does music affect khushu and prayer? Yeah. Um, like listening to it while you're praying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. All uh, lahu. Whether what you see and what you hear affects Salah. Right. It, it all affects Salah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. What you see and what you... That's why Ibn Khaldun said the best people in religion are the nomads and the Bedouins. He says because they have a clear slate. Right, Mashallah. and so when the Quran, when the revelation comes to them, their fitra, their soil is clear. Our soil is mi- filled with a million things, right? So when when the, when you put the seed in, that seed's got to fight through all the pollution and find the real water, mm. right? So if you want to help yourself in salah, spend a lot of time, you know, uh, in in quietude outside of salah. All right, so this is the last one. It's from Akbar. And that's why I said I'm, mm-hmm. we're going to do a little wrestling when I get next time I come to London. <laughs> you want to go to England in the summer? I'm supposed to go there summer 2020, this summer. Inshallah. How long? Like um, four or five days. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm supposed to go. We might as well just all go. Is your family going? Probably. Because my wife's going to try to come if, if I go. Every time I go, <laughs> listen, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to try to go with she's at this moment. She's yeah. like, can I go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So he said, I just want to. So he said, first he said, damn, I'm late again. Because okay. he thought he missed the question. I said, no, we're still recording. So he said, I want to say that I, I almost canceled the whole of Safina Society podcast team for trying to dissuade people from watching Erturul, um <laughs> in the last podcast. That was just Moeen. He said, if it happens again, I'll be forced to take the following action on behalf of the devlet, which is like the, da- the, the state. The state, yeah. the devlet. It's yeah. like mispronunciation. Just like his name is a devlet. Zab. <laughs> the dub. What is dub? He, he, Lizard? I mean, he's, it's, it's, it's a, it's or Desi. Deb. Yeah. Deb. What is it? Vub? He's dabbing. Oh, dab. <laughs> or is it Vub like Vubby? Uh, maybe. Abu Dhabi. Maybe like Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Or they pronounce Vubby as in a bub, which is a lizard. Right. Right. So. Albert, you gotta, when you listen to this, you're going to have to uh, tell, clarify us, that. tell us what the correct uh, meaning of your name yeah. is. Because Zab ain't it. <laughs> so. Uh, Unless you're Zabiha. That was, uh, was Moeen's thing. He's been on that show. Uh, uh, he's been slamming that show for a couple years now. Yeah. I never slammed it because I just love the man, right? Like, the man's a hero. Erotharul himself, the state could be named after him. Right. The only reason it's not Allah willed it the way that way because we couldn't pronounce it. Right. Right. Uh, so Uthman is just easier, and he's a Sahabi. Say Uthman is a Sahabi. So to be named after a Sahabi. Um, but if you think, if if any, if that story, if the show, the general theme of the show is thirty percent true, that he had this character, this zeal for Islam, right? If that right. just that enough is true, he's a hero. And not only that, you might even say one of the biggest heroes in the second half of the Ummah. So actually, he lived in the before the thousand of the the year thousand and uh, or of the Hijra of the Hijra, or let's say even seven hundred because fourteen it's fourteen forty. Yeah. So what was the halfway mark? So seven hundreds, right? Yeah. He lived. Did he live before that? I can't remember. Um, he lived before that. He was in sure. the time of uh, around Arabi. the time of Salahuddin and Ibn Arabi. Yeah. Right. Because Ibn Arabi did cross through Anatolia at right. that time. That's all we know about it. And they say right. maybe he met him once. Allah. Allah. But uh, uh, the idea, think about this. In the first half of the Islamic uh, history, what we call the classical period, which is before the Mongol invasion. Right. Like who are the most important? The most important generation for sure is the Sahaba. That's right. like hands down. Yeah, of course. Right. And then you have the Umayyads and the Abbasids. Then you have scholars that are important. Scholars are important. Now you can say now that you, Salah al-Din and Nur al-Din were humongous forces. Nur right. al-Din first, then Salah al-Din second. And then on the west, uh, uh, subhanAllah, name is skipping me. In the west, from the Al-Murabitun, uh, Yusuf ibn Tashfin. Tashfin yeah. Yusuf ibn Tashfin, he'd be like the, the Nur al-Din of the west, let's say. Right. Okay. You, after the Mongols, this is what they call post-classic period, which is it's Persian it. Everything is Persian it now. The Arabs are basically like out of the picture completely, politi- right. politically speaking. Um, everything is now Persian it in its nature, Turkic in its nature, right? The Mongols are ruling, right? And this is where, uh, you know, the Mongols came in and they brought their culture with them. It's less Arab in its style, the whole Ummah, right? Or that main part. It's less Arab and more Persian it, okay? And this is after the destruction of Baghdad. Yeah, after the destruction of Baghdad, which is huge, twelve fifty. Okay, so they call this the post-classical period. Now, in the post-classical period, it's it's little city-states, right? And little Turkic empires and Mongols mixed with Persians, mixed with Turks, okay? 
what rises out of that? Three empires rise out of that. The Safawiyin, who were Shafi'i to begin with, in Persia. Mm-hmm. They then became 12 or Shi'is. Then you had the uh, Mughals, who were Persians, right, who conquered India. Right. The, Mo- the, the Mughals are Persians, right. originally. They became Indian afterwards, obviously. Okay. And then you had the Ottomans. Well, of them, which one was the greatest one? It was the Ottomans. The Ottomans. The greatest of influence. So you can argue that the rise of the Ottomans is basically the Ummah, the biggest. Of the latter, of the latter yeah, half. Yeah, latter half of the history. And they ruled from start to finish for 600 years, but their bulk of the rule uh, where they ruled the whole Ummah really starts when they, with Mah- I think it was Mahmoud II. Mahmoud II. Constantinople, then who was it? Sultan Salim, I think, who came into the Haramain Sharifain, right? Mecca and Medina. Then you could, people would call them the Khilafah. Right. If you think about that, if that's the case, then the founder of this whole thing is one of the most important people in the second half of the Ummah, right? So I'm at the point like whatever they make about the guy, you know. Alhamdulillah. I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. I don't have time to enjoy it. Yeah, we know who's that. Was, that was my only argument. Yeah. Is that it's. Literally hundreds of hours. <laughs> I actually got into it. I couldn't watch it anymore because I I need to sleep on time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I need to sleep. So anyway. All right. This was good. Thank you very much. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, Jazakumullah khairan. Thank, Thomas, thank you very much for coming. Oh, thanks for having Next me. Next time it's, we're going to make the talk pleasure. more, inshallah. Yeah. And great selection of story, Alex. So, <laughs> mashallah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Shadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa al-asr inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-lazina amanu amanu al-salihat wa tawasabu al-haq wa tawasabu al-sabr. As-salam. A'udhu billahi
Oh, 